0: This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter. At Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio.
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your coach, Dr. Matt, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Three hours of fun, excitement, just... Incredible hotness. As I look at Ben, Ben, why, are you Ben? You just give me the look. Like, yes, I am incredibly hot. This is going to be a great show for you today, man. Holy cow! Have uh, Have you heard the news? Apparently, check this out. There's people out in the world that spend all day trying to hack into your stuff. My son sent me an email yesterday. Hey, um. I don't have a PayPal account, but um, somebody says I I gave them $20 for my PayPal account and I just need to sign in. And yeah, it's just a clerical error. Is something wrong with that? And I'm like, well, do you have a PayPal account? No. Should I get one? No. (laughs) Don't get one and then go sign in. No. Hackers, dude, they're out there. They're going to get you. That's what I was telling him. You got to be careful. And... It's, it's happening all over from the federal government, you know, that now has had about 21 million names of past employees. I mean, that's crazy, right? Where does this end? Well, then you've got this crazy company called Ashley Madison, not to disparage, except this is an online company that, hey, if you want to have an affair and you're married, just sign up for this company and they'll help you have an affair. So apparently 38 million people have taken that bait, and now they've been hacked. And the hackers basically say, you better pull the entire Ashley Madison site down, or we're going to share all of these names and all of this information with the world. Well, in some countries, they call that extortion. But what do you do when you're extorting a, a company that you know enables affairs? Well, there's a lot of nervous people in the country right now. So today we are going to be talking with Neil Weiler, who is a cybersecurity expert, giving us you know the lowdown. What really can you expect? What can't you expect? Uh, and, and how, how much how much protection do you have? Should you even expect any privacy anymore in your life? They say even companies like Google will keep everything you've ever searched for for years. Is that good? I mean, if you've tried to... Ways to kill your spouse without anybody knowing. That's scary. So think about it. Have you been searching for anything you shouldn't have been searching for? What if that got out? Cybersecurity. We'll be getting into that today. Man, did you see that picture? I love that. There's something about this Pope. Pope Francis. He is like he's such a great guy. I think I have this affinity for him because he's from Argentina and i lived in argentina for 2 years he was he was playing for the catholic team i was playing for the mormon team love him nonetheless and uh, there's a great picture of his security i guess one of his drivers of the pope mobile took a selfie picture of himself with the pope in the background in the back of his car driving in that cute little pope mobile a selfie so by the way now that's out there i'm wondering if like the pope is like um, Guillermo, can I talk to you a minute? I uh next time you're driving me, can you A not take pictures and B can you just drive me? Make sure we don't have any problems. So there's another example of cybersecurity. If you crash the Pope Mobile by because you're taking a selfie, you're not going to heaven. That's all I gotta say about that. You are not going to heaven. The detour is going to heaven. <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah. You're going to go on the fast detour route south. Do not crash the mobile. especially because you're taking a selfie. I don't, I'm don't. i not a big selfie person. I don't like them. Kathy, are you into selfies? I hate selfies. Instagram, I really want to get more into, but it's all about pictures. Mm-hmm. I hate pictures. I'd rather have a colonoscopy as a picture oh, than go pictures take pictures. They pictures of that, too, you know. I know. That's not a bad idea. <laughs>
2: Yeah, people said, out,
1: you got to see my colonoscopy <laughs> video. Oh, it was the craziest time. Aren't people weird? Like, that used to be a private moment. Have you moment. had your jet, by the way? No. I, aren't you supposed to get it when you're 50? Yeah, you're not 50 yet. Yeah. You're not 50. I'm not telling. Cricket. You're not 50. Come on! Anyway, let's get to the non-50-year-old... Female in the room. Kathy Aiken with the headlines.
2: Good morning, Matt. A Navy officer and Marine who were attacked in last week's shooting at a Chattanooga, Tennessee, Reserve Center reportedly fired back at the assailant with personal firearms. Mohammed Abdulaziz killed four Marines and a sailor in the attack. The gunman who was also killed, but we don't know if he was killed by one of the officers or by police until ballistic, ballistic tests are finalized. Several state governors have ordered National Guardsmen to be armed after the deadly attack. das-cam video of the arrest of Sandra Bland in Texas is being reviewed after alleged vi- edits to the video were made. During the video, you see a person walking by or a car driving by that repeat themselves, but the audio is uninterrupted. Police say Bland committed suicide in her jail cell, but Waller County District Attorney Elton Mathis said prosecutors will handle the case as thoroughly as a murder investigation. Bland was pulled over for failing to signal a lane change, and after things escalated with Trooper Brian Encinita, Land was arrested. and Encinia has been placed on administrative duties. GOP presidential candidate Donald Trump continues to get the lion's share of the media coverage. From June 14th to July 12th, Trump received more airtime than Jeb Bush, Scott Walker, and Marco Rubio combined. That doesn't include the most recent coverage of his controversial comments about John McCain's status as a war hero or what happened at yesterday's campaign stop in South Carolina when he gave out Lindsey Graham's cell phone number.
0: I said that. If you look at a few minutes later at the press conference, you will see, I said, they're all heroes, captured, not captured.
2: That was obviously the wrong soundbite. We'll get that one next time. But anyway, he gave out Lindsey Graham's cell phone number, and Graham said he'll now be getting a new cell phone. All that coverage yesterday also overshadowed this announcement yesterday from Ohio Governor John Kasich.
1: You shouldn't be our commander in chief because you don't know our military. John McCain and everybody like him is an American hero.
2: We've obviously got the wrong bites. My apologies for that. Kasich, with his announcement of running for president... Happened yesterday. He became the 16th GOP presidential contender. Airport contract workers are scheduled to go on strike tonight at New York's LaGuardia and JFK International Airports. More than 1,000 security officers, baggage handlers, and wheelchair attendants are set to walk off the job at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Airlines affected by the walkout are United, British Airways, and Delta, though the airlines say they have taken measures to make sure customers are not affected. And, Matt, did you see that video yesterday showing a Wi-Fi-equipped Jeep being hacked? No. It was—it's really frightening, actually. So two cybersecurity experts took control of the Jeep by hacking into the Wi-Fi system.
3: Oh, wow. Taking
2: over the brakes, the steering, and the transmission. They say as many as 471,000 vehicles using the Fiat Chrysler Uconnect system could be vulnerable. Fiat wow. Chrysler, which makes the Jeep, said they have dedicated a team to focus on implementing software best practices across their global company. Even Massachusetts Senator Ed Markey is introducing legislation to require cybersecurity and privacy protections be applied to vehicles.
1: Why? So it shows,
2: it shows the guy in his car, and all of a sudden he absolutely has no control of the car.
1: <laughs> but wh- it, it why moves would... him
2: over and takes him kind of down in this ditch.
1: But why does our Wi-Fi even have to be in any way connected to... The steering and braking mechanisms of the car.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess <clears throat> you, I mean, any, any Wi Fi whatsoever. I guess would
1: we obviously need Wi Fi to make sure we get up on Instagram while Ex- we're driving.
2: Exactly, and to, yes, you got. <laughs> if you're
1: going to take your selfie picture in the Pope mobile, you want to get it up online as fast as you can. But uh, why on earth would it be? Because they had issues like this too, where the, supposedly you could connect to the online entertainment stuff that's mm-hmm. on an airplane. All the all the movies, right? But and people were worried that if you could do that, you could probably get into, the, into the the controls exactly. of the airplane. Exactly. Yeah. They just don't seem to like they need to be connected.
3: Yeah.
2: Hmm. That would be frightening. That's totally. Can you frightening. imagine if all of a sudden you're going at highway speeds and and you lose control or somebody puts your brakes on?
1: Yeah. Uh, you talk about cyber terrorism.
2: Yes. Exactly.
1: And what if I mean, they're just coming up behind you and some smart dude figures out how to hack your Wi-Fi? Yeah. Oh, and you're in one of those new jeeps. Yeah. So, oh yeah, yeah, you've got Wi-Fi. <laughs> The next thing you know, you're riding the rail, all the way home. I mean, uh, oh, that is scary. It is scary. I, you know, people I, I, are bad drivers anyway.
2: Yeah, but that would make it much worse. I, I I was reading a book on EMP attacks. You know, and that would yeah. st- that stops every car.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't that go there. That would stop. But can
2: you imagine? That's
1: just crazy. Yeah. John.
2: Yeah. Same kind of same thing. You just lose control.
1: Yeah, and the plus the power company would get in so much trouble. <laughs> Everyone's like, what is wrong with our power company? <laughs> that is, um, that's a big deal. By the way, you got a new car.
2: I did. Jeez. I love it.
1: You got a new car. Terry got a new car. I mean, we have this show; it's killing. Why and are, everyone's getting new cars? I
2: know, and you want a new car. I want so a new car. Why are you doing it?
1: Because I'm I'm lazy, and I don't.
2: Do you need my son to come drive I his car to your do. house? No, because
1: I will want it. Yeah, you I just want don't want to spend money.
2: Yeah, that's a problem.
1: You know what I mean? Uh uh-huh. You have to spend money to buy a car. You any do.
2: Yep, you, you do. You it's have to go so in and put money backwards. down, and it's really kind of sad.
1: Your car's sweet because <laughs> it's it. it's going to go convertible.
2: It's convertible. top convertible. Oh, my gosh. It. Yeah, it's fun. And,
1: man, who would think? A you know, Lamborghini. Just, that's amazing that she's got a Lambo. A I Lambo. know.
2: Well, you didn't need to tell everybody that. but Oh, a yellow yeah. Lambo.
1: <laughs> it's amazing. Does
2: Lamborghini have a hardtop convertible?
1: Yeah, they probably. They do? I, I don't know. I've I'm got, sure they probably my last, do. I haven't bought a Lambo for years. Yeah. I wouldn't know.
2: Your last, one, your last red one was very nice.
1: Do you remember that? Yes. That was fun. Yeah. Yep.
2: Your turn. You're next. I'm going to try to I'll sell a you. Car.
1: I might. I really want a motorcycle.
2: Ooh, those are dangerous.
1: That's what everybody says. I'm sure your wife, you know Especially what?
2: with young children.
1: But yeah. have you heard about the Jeep with the Wi-Fi thing I people that people can hack into? Yes, just I did as hear dangerous. about that just recently. No one's going to hack my motorcycle. Uh, I want a Harley. Really? I want a Harley, and I want I want leathers, and I want I want to wear chaps. Is that what they're called? Chaps, yeah. I want to wear chaps. And I want boots. the three wheeler. Yeah.
2: Seriously, that I know, looks those fun. are those are way those cool. Those look fun, yeah. Yeah, I'm afraid the two wheeler I'd you know, you, have to I'd yeah. crash.
1: You, I know you've already got a great car, <laughs> a convertible Lambo. I'm loving it.
2: Yep. Okay.
1: Thank everybody you, Kathy. Knows,
2: they'll know me on the streets now.
1: <laughs> That's right. That's, now, if you see a yellow Lambo with a with a sticker on the on the bumper that says "My son's an honor roll student," then you know you've passed Kathy Aka. Hey, um, we got a great guest coming up. Neil Weiler will be joining us. Talk about cybersecurity. Man, now they're hacking your car, your car. What about just hacking your bank account? We you know, we hear all this talk about terrorism, but you're you're probably more likely to be hit with some cyber terror, some cyber problems than you are, you know, to be struck by ISIS. That's my bet. We'll be talking to Neil Weiler, who will be joining us, giving us the lowdown on cybersecurity. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, whether it's your uh, your Jeep Cherokee being taken over because people are accessing your onboard Wi-Fi, or the Office of Personnel Management, where 21 million people have now uh, lost personal and private data, or the Home Depot stories, or the Target stories, or Ashley Madison, or the healthcare companies that have lost 11 million or so names, You've heard about it everywhere. Cybersecurity—it's—it's it's a real—it's the real problem, and it might even be the true front, global terroristic front. I mean, this might be where you need to be worrying the most because everybody you know has probably had some hacking event or been a part of something uh, where that was a problem. Joining us right now is uh, Neil Weiler. Neil is currently the EMC corporate is with EMC Corporation. As a security and analytics specialist with their emergency t- or emerging technology division, and he's here to help us understand security in the cyber world. Neil, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Great to have you. Um, what What is the deal? Do we have any real security in on the internet?
4: Uh, I guess the short answer would be no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's an open game, huh?
4: It's not. A, I know it's not what people want to hear, um, but you know, with uh, to your point, you know, you could probably spend uh, the entire hour just just listing off the names of the companies yeah. and institutions that have been breached over the last year to two years. Um, really, really high-profile companies um, with tens of millions of
1: users affected. Who's who's doing all the hacking? I mean, we always hear like with the Office of Personnel Management. We hear it, it's probably China, but apparently President Obama doesn't want to point them out because he's trying to close the deal with Iran. And is who's hacking?
4: Um, well, I mean, it can be any number of types of hackers. I mean, uh, you know, with the, as you mentioned, with the Office of Personnel Management, um, you know, the attribution there uh, is being thrown towards China. Uh, with the high profile Sony hack that happened in december uh, to late November of last year, you know that attribution went to North Korea mm. and then you just have standard criminals um, you have a type of hacker they call themselves hacktivists you know yeah. folks who have uh, political motivation or are trying to send a message um and then you just have you know your standard um trolls, you know people who are doing it for um
1: for fun yeah
4: or just to make uh to cause chaos
1: and yeah and just yeah to create havoc and the fun of bringing down a company shutting down a server maybe exactly um is it so so kind of give us the the overview and I'm just, it's probably done so many different ways but how does a hacker for example from China make it into our systems what i'm assuming it's not one guy named you know Jimmy sitting in his underwear in his apartment, it's probably a company, right? It's an entity. It's probably got multiple hackers working on a very specific weakness.
4: Well, in the case of something like the um, the OPM breach, like where you know the the attribution is is looking like China, um, that would be a very well funded organization. Um, you know, it's a, a nation state backed. Type of situation where you're talking about upwards of a thousand to two thousand staff sitting in a building somewhere, um, specifically targeting the United States and saying, "Okay, here's what we're going after." Mm. Um, so they're very well funded. They've got plenty of time, um, and they've got um, you know uh, the freedom to do the hack as they see fit without any fear. Of being prosecuted by the government.
1: Oh, that's true, huh? They can, they're just, they can kind of do whatever they want.
4: Yeah, there's, there's no fear of extradition there.
1: So interesting. And then, um, I guess they, they just, they just find a weakness, and then because it's, I'm assuming everybody's got codes, everyone's got passwords, we've got firewalls, supposedly all this stuff. Um, and then is it just a matter of time if you get a bunch of really smart people that know what they're doing and they have unlimited time and resources i guess it's just inevitable
4: it is unfortunately it's inevitable um and i think that's the thing that people need to kind of understand is that you know that there there's no silver bullet here there's no silver bullet to security Um, Security is a process. It's not a product. You can't just go out and buy something and, you know, off the shelf, put it in your organization or on your computer at home Mm. and then just go, okay, well, I'm secure. (laughs) I I should be fine now. I'm done. Um, You know, hackers, you know, can go bother somebody else. Um, It doesn't work like that. If you're if you're being targeted by an organization or even an individual who who just has time and persistence then then they're going to get in eventually Mm. so you've actually seen that shift in the security industry in the last you know 10 years where you used to go to these um large conferences like information security conferences and there would be uh, vendors who were saying like you know, you, we'll stop you from getting hacked. We can keep you from getting right. hacked. Come look at our system. It's unhackable. We'll give $10,000 to anybody who can hack it and those type of things. Where today, now you go to the same uh, conferences and you see vendors and they're saying, hey, um, we'll help you detect when you've been breached <laughs> and how badly you have been breached and we'll do it faster and better than, Man. than the guy next to us. So it's no longer... You won't... We'll make sure you don't get hacked. It's when you do get hacked, we'll be the first ones to let you know.
1: Well, will want it just someday be, hey, once you've been hacked and destroyed, we'll just help you repair all of your credit and pay back everybody that's been harmed.
4: Well, you know, these um, credit monitoring services and uh, identity theft services are certainly doing well by all of these breaches. That seems to be the common thread at the end of these things, like even... uh, the OPM breach, which is, we're talking about 21 and a half million affected individuals, social security numbers, where they live,
1: medical they information, school, yeah.
4: everything is out there, all their health information, Ugh. their criminal and financial histories are out there. And the response to that is, well, hold on, we don't know how bad your personal information has been, <laughs> um, you know, affected. But while you wait while we figure out what contractor will determine that, we will give you three years of credit monitoring and it's mm. like great thanks,
1: thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very thank you very much well, and then you've got that whole Ashley Madison fiasco um where the company ashley madison's the the company that lines people up to have affairs. hey, if you want an affair come here we'll we'll hook you up and then they were breached, but They, they People were paying, I think, $20 to Ashley Madison, and Ashley Madison said they would remove them from all of their records. And and that was a service that, as a company, they were making a lot of money on until apparently these hacktivists went in and are now basically saying, if you don't turn off your entire site, we're going to expose all this data.
4: Right, which is kind of an interesting way to approach privacy where you're like, we don't like that you – don't actually delete all of these records. Yeah. But because we don't like that, we will release everybody's (laughs) records if you don't shut down. So, yeah. So that, um,
1: by definition, is a hacktivist, right? That's somebody trying to... They're not trying to make money on these people. They're just trying to make a point.
4: They're trying to make a point. They're out to embarrass the company, Mm -hmm. or in this case, you know, shut them down. Yeah. Um, And and
1: 38 million
4: people. it, It is millions, tens of millions of people, and they're talking about posting their most private information um, and you know their credit card transactions with their real names and addresses tied to you know uh, conversations and uh, sexual fantasies and things Mm. like that that you know everybody that was using this site it clearly and whether you're you know for or against what the company was doing you know this is private information that's going to be uh, leaked out there uh, well, for and, all the world to see.
1: And this is it. We'll take a break and come back, but th- this is the idea, right? If At some point, we're going to have to decide if we want to be a part of any of these things and give our our information, or... I mean, maybe eventually it's going to have to come down to, are you going to be an online person or not? Because <laughs> exactly. if you're online, then just get used to losing privacy to some degree or another. Again, we're talking with Neil Weiler, who is a, a security and analytics specialist with EMC Corporation. We're going to take a break, come back, and continue to pick Neil's brain, figure out uh, what we're supposed to do then. well, How should we go about protecting ourselves, our families, our children? Cybersecurity, folks, stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, fellow cyber victims. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, folks, the idea of cybersecurity may be more an illusion than a reality of uh, anything we're going to attain. More and more, we hear the stories, you know, from Sony to uh, Home Depot, Ashley Madison. And again, these are great companies as well, as far as Sony and Ashley Madison, not so great. But these are companies that are strong, that are that have a good purpose and are trying to be helpful to the community, and yet North Korea accesses Sony. Are you kidding? Impacts the launch of a movie specifically to ridicule their dictator, their leader. That's powerful, and uh, it's it's going to happen more and more. And so, how do we protect ourselves? And and protect our families, really. I mean again, my son this week has already had somebody out fishing, trying to fish to get information about one of his accounts. And he was smart enough to notice it, to see it, to question it. He actually called PayPal and PayPal helped him straighten it out. Um so it's the real deal. Neil Neil Weiler is joining us, and uh Neil is a a, a cyber security expert, information in security engineer and a researcher here from Salt Lake City, currently with EMC Corporation as a security and analytics specialist. He also belongs to a nonprofit organization, DC801.org. Hey, Neil, tell us about what is that DC801.org?
4: Sure. uh, DC801 is the the Utah, I guess, um, portion of the of DEF CON groups and what DEF CON is is it's actually the largest hacker convention in the world, which takes place in Las Vegas every summer. Hmm. It's actually about two weeks from now. Party. Um of <laughs> it is is quite the party. <laughs> it is is attended by um between seventeen to twenty thousand wow. people from all over the world. Um of which I'm a, a senior member of that staff and so um, you know, we're just a, a bunch of security folks coming together trying to figure out what the latest vulnerabilities are, what the best defenses for those are. You mentioned the, uh, you know, the Jeep, um, yeah. exploit and being able to control that. Um, those guys, Charlie Miller and, and Chris Valsak will be presenting that information at DEF CON this year.
1: Now that's interesting because so. at that same DEF CON, uh, um, event, are there hackers there too? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, so you're, everyone's just kind of—I mean, in a way, some of this is just intellectual play, right? This is just chess for a bunch of smart people in some situations, right?
4: It does seem that way
1: because <laughs> it's just—they, it, it, I want to see what I can get away with. Most people aren't trying to bring down a company, but they might be trying to humble a company or a, or a—you a, know—go after one of their pet peeves. Um, so in the end, if we're not necessarily going to be safe and secure online, what should we be learning and what should we be doing?
4: Well, I think um, you know you mentioned privacy and how do we have like individuals guard their privacy online? And I think part of it is to just um, stop posting all of your personal information online. <laughs> Um, stop putting your birthday everywhere and creating handy little charts on your Facebook profile that show how you're connected to everyone that you come in contact with. I know my, my own family gets annoyed that I won't accept their, you know, request to connect on their shiny new Facebook app that tells who all their brothers, sisters, cousins, nephews, Interesting. nieces is. Yeah. And I'm I'm like, Yeah, no, I'm fine. Sorry, I'm not gonna <laughs> do that. Um,
1: Do they? Because, they just think you're antisocial, don't they, Neil? Uh,
4: something like that. <laughs> and I'm just uh, hyper paranoid. The thing is, is it's that's a lot of information to give away. I mean, you're basically putting together an identity theft, um, you know, kit,
3: yeah, something. playbook,
4: and, and handing it over. And even if that individual decides to make their profile private. Um, at the end of the day, if I want access to your Facebook page and I want to be your friend and you won 't allow me to be i 'll just create an account that has you know an, a, a picture of an attractive member of the opposite sex, and the odds are that you 're going to accept that friend request and then I will have access to your birthday mm. and everybody you 're connected to in your family and i 'll use that information to you know gain access to whatever it is that i 'm trying to to access in the end. So I mean really, in the, what it comes down to is education, yeah you know, like not just education for the guys who are writing the code to write more secure code or the executives at these companies who are you know in control of policies and budgets and things like that but but for end users as well the you know it, Information technology is one of those fields that people just for some reason love to brag about their ignorance. They say, oh, I don't know about these computers, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. and for some reason that's an acceptable response when in the end it's actually unacceptable to respond that way. Right. You know, it, it means that you're making a lack of investment in yourself and, and the safety of, you know, yourself and your family um, or the company that you work for. It's like security is everybody's responsibility.
1: Yeah, that's it. It seems like in a way, Neil, that like, you know, when your IT department says, you know, we don't want any of your personal devices to be used in our network, on our – I mean, you're like, oh, come on, you old fuddy dud. We right. we don't get what they're doing. But there's kind of a method to all of the madness and, and almost the over-controlling that our companies want um, – it seems like in our in our homes it's different because we're more worried about we don't want pornography to get in, but we're not even thinking about if somebody's necessarily getting our bank account
4: yeah exactly and i mean and it and it sounds like it's um you know you're just trying to scare people and things like that, but it's like if you're not using your webcam, then turn it around so it's not facing you and uh. like on on laptops it's like you know they're put a a sticker over the you know the webcam on your laptop and things like that it's like if you do end up in a situation where you are you know personally uh, breached then you don't want somebody looking at you like sitting in your living room in your underwear while you watch
1: you know (laughs) yeah yeah you're watching parks and recreation it's (laughs) Exactly it's funny too, but I guess our naivete would just say, Oh, Neil, nobody wants to look at little old me
4: yeah, and that's the that's the attitude that um you know that these folks are are hoping mm-hmm. you're gonna have so i mean I, again, education's a big thing, like you know what can you do? Just have a plan, you know it's like just like anything in life, you should have a disaster plan ready to go you know if there's like if there's a fire in your house what's the plan and your whole family knows the plan and what are you going to do? If there's an intruder in your home, what's your plan? What are you going to do? Well, you should have a, we've been hacked plan, Mm -hmm. you know, like what, before you're ever in that situation, you have to decide what's my most critical data. Like, and if you're a company, what would keep us from being able to continue to do business?
1: Yeah. And then Oh, that's huge. Huh?
4: If you do end up breached, what happened what did they take what's the damage and how do we go back to some kind of sense of normal you know and mm. and i think you know that's a big thing is just uh, folks just think oh it's not going to happen to me to your point little old me nobody's interested yeah. and someone may not be interested in you personally but they the information they can gather or just even using your Um, your machine in your home as a as a point to pivot off of for additional attacks you know they'll use your house to jump through um, to to start the next hack
1: well it it used to be neil in business your goal was to get as much information about your customer as you possibly could it was to your advantage to know everything you could but now um, it may not be smart to have a lot of information that you're not using um, in your system, and your servers, because you just put your people more uh, to be vulnerable. Exactly.
4: And you, if the information is there, you should encrypt it. It's not, and, and encryption sounds like it's some kind of, you know, black magic. Yeah, that's a spy you, thing. <laughs> exactly. It's like this. Uh, if If you're having a hard time understanding computers, then you couldn't possibly wrap your head around encryption. But it's just not true. The, you know, it's a lot easier to um, use encryption today than it than it used to be. And there's a you know a little saying that we use in the in the infosec world, which is um, dance like nobody's watching, encrypt like everyone is. Um, and so that's um, that's a fact. Is you know just treat all of your personal information like somebody's watching. Yeah. What do you want people to see, and what don't you want them to see? And if there's something you don't want them to see, then just encrypt it. So um, true. A, a big thing too is is just email security. Like if you people think, oh well, that's weird. Nobody's going to be interested in my Gmail account. Well, your Gmail account is a doorway into every other account that you have. Because if you forget your password, what do you click on? Oh, it's true. Uh, my password. Yeah. And then you type in an email address.
1: Yeah, and then they'll send you the.
4: They'll send you a convenient link.
1: <laughs> and, and every one of those we probably I, – I never thought. We have a huge file full of every one of my passwords to every company I've ever forgotten.
4: Well, there you go. You just have uh, access to your email address. Now I have access to all of your accounts because all I have to do is click I forgot my password, and I get a link to click on that says, yes, go ahead and reset it. Um, so that email – password is really, really important. And at least companies like Google, Google offers um, free two-factor authentication. You put an app on your phone and so you type your password and then it gives you a little, you know, number for you to type in as well. And you have to have the ability to know what that number is as well as the password to access your email account. And it's not hard and it takes, you know, Two seconds longer to do it. Yeah. And it adds a great layer of security, but people just don't use it because one, either they don't know about it or they just think, oh, well, why should I do that? It's mm-hmm. not really, you know, nobody cares about my
1: stuff. What about, um, it seems like the, I guess our enemy is just the simplicity we all want it to have an experience. I guess I should have a fairly strong uh, or a very strong password and I'm assuming I should be changing it regularly
4: or you should you know it, it, people say okay well i don't i don't want to use uh, complex passwords it you know i'll never remember them you know and there are plenty of applications today that will generate random passwords for you and then allow you to keep track of them mm-hmm. using you know that software and you know you can do that or just something simple that people you know they always it ends up being like the name of your dog and then you know yeah. or the street you live on or something like that it's just use a pass phrase or take a a phrase that you know um, that you're going to remember so your favorite passage from a book the first sentence of a yeah. of a book that you like and take the first character off of each one of those words and put it in as your password now it's completely random you know from a character standpoint but to you you know exactly what the key is and That's to right. others they don't and so if you can have complex passwords with easy ways to remember them it's just about a little bit of effort
1: <laughs> it really is isn't it yeah. Where do we go, Neil, to get this to get more training, to get smarter on cybersecurity if we're just the lay person?
4: Um there are, you know, countless free um programs out there. There's um there you can you know, go out into the community and do things like one of one of the things I do on the side is that I um, help run the Salt Lake City Hacker Space, which is 801 Labs, mm-hmm. um, and we do you know free classes all the time for the community. It's just a it's a nonprofit where we're just teaching folks you know how to do um, you know different areas of information security right. Uh, or at least our version of right. Yeah. I you know. I think yeah. it's, a, it's a fairly bold statement to say, oh, we're right. But, um, <laughs> we are
1: the one and only. But you yeah, know,
4: but we're trying, you know, and I think that's the thing is just um, we would be in a lot better shape all around if people just tried
1: a mm-hmm. little bit. So, yeah, it's almost like and you don't want to scare everybody, but it's kind of seems like they won't necessarily move till you do.
4: Right. And the thing is, is that nobody's going to fix this for you. Right. Um, again, like it's a process, not a product. So you can't just go buy something, you know, and, and say, oh, this is now I'm good to go. Um, you have to be aware of what's going on and take the the proper steps to, to secure yourself. If you're, you know, a lot of folks, you know, with the Sony hack, for instance, when everybody was the attribution was pointing towards North Korea, everybody was like, well, where is the government on this? Yeah, You know, where are they? Shouldn't the government take care of this? And it's like, yeah. They were being (laughs) hacked. (laughs) They they actually were, in fact, being hacked. At that time. I mean, you think about the way that the government solves a security issue. Um, Just take a look at the TSA. Is that really what we want for cybersecurity, Mm -hmm. a large bloated organization that when – Somebody went and audited it. Had a ninety-five percent failure rate. That the government is not the solution here. Yeah,
1: no. Well, I mean, um, again, we're, we keep hearing complaints that they're still using computers from the sixties, seventies in the IRS and in other places. So it's like, really, they're not going to be the source of security um, online. Man, right. it's it's great information, Neil. Again, they could go. I guess if they go to because you are, you've authored several books. On information security, and you're a member of DEF CON CFP review board. Is that black? Can, can they go to Black Hat to find more out, more yeah, about if you? They,
4: if they want, actually, like I said, now's the perfect time because we're actually, um, if Black Hat is, um, it starts in, in two weeks.
1: That's black that DEF CON.
4: It's the, the information security, um, like it's the corporate uh, information security conference, and there is a, a ton to be learned there. Mm. Um, that's a fairly expensive conference It is full of, you know, companies and things like that. And then immediately following Black Hat, like Black Hat ends on Thursday and DEF CON is the largest hacker convention in the world, starts on Friday down the street huh. in Las Vegas. And so, and that is, I mean, that's about a hundred dollars, but it is a significant amount of content about information security, um, what hackers are doing today. Hackers will be getting up on stage saying what they're doing today and and shooting holes in the latest security tactics that the guys just taught at Black Hat down
1: the street oh, uh,
4: earlier in the week. But um, wow, you know, like I said, it's uh, so I'm involved in both sides of that. The, cool. the organization I'm involved with, Black Hat, and I'm also involved with DEFCON, and so uh, you know I'm just uh, I help pick the content for those shows. Uh, and That's awesome. I'm, I'm, again, just trying to do my part to yeah. help educate people and get the right speakers in front of them talking about the right topics for today.
1: Well, Neil, we appreciate it, and just we appreciate your work. Again, you can also go to dc801.org. Uh, I think the key to this too is follow their blogs, get in, listen to what they're talking about. Just get just get in the game, folks. Let's just get a little more involved. Work on your own passwords. Cover up your cameras on your computers uh, if you're not using them. Just be careful. Don't be handing out your information. Careful with your birth dates. Be careful. We'll take a break, my friends. Cybersecurity. Interesting stuff. We'll take a break. Come right back. Do a little coach's uh, corner on this one and a little roundup. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, one of the things we want to make sure we teach ourselves and others is some self-reliance, especially when it comes to technology, when it comes to our cars, whatever. we, We rely heavily on others because we may not know how to fix our own car. But when it comes to your own Internet safety, don't just trust that you bought a program and you're safe. Do some other things, like the double verification on, on certain things. How how cool is that, that companies now offer you two points of confirmation so that you need to have two data points at two distinct times in order to get something to happen? Or, uh, you know, eventually, I guess someday it'll be great because they'll just scan our eyes and, boy, there will go and we'll, we'll be happy and everyone... But you know what? It'll be hacked. So... It's a big deal. Be careful with it. Other, uh, another article I found from Huffington Post written by Katia McGlynn, nine things you can't remember anymore because of technology. You ready for this? Because we have all this technology, we probably don't remember phone numbers like we used to. We used to have to actually remember the phone number. I just signed up my, one of my kids for a new phone, and I had to reorganize all my children's phones. And guess what? I didn't know any of their phone numbers. I know where to find them. I can call my wife. She knows them. But uh, do you remember phone numbers? Because if not, maybe technology's is uh, the reason. You maybe don't remember birthdays like you used to. Why would your brain want to remember something if you could just put it in your calendar? Man, if all of our technology went down, no one would know when to celebrate birthdays. You'd have to go tell everyone every day when it's your birthday. Uh, long division. Most of us don't remember long division because you have, to, you have a calculator now on your phone. When I was a kid, you, we weren't allowed to use calculators. Actually, when I was a kid, calculators didn't exist, but we weren't allowed to use them. anyway. We don't know how to write a check anymore. I'd love to see one of my kids write a check. They'd be clueless. They don't know how to do it. We may not know how to write in cursive anymore. By the way, back in the day, my dad had the best handwriting you've ever seen. Everyone's like, oh, Martin's handwriting is beautiful. Nobody, nobody. That's a line, That's a phrase you will never hear. He's got the best handwriting you've ever seen. Uh, Do you know how to write in cursive? Do your kids know how to write in cursive? Um, Just writing in general. If you've ever had one of your teens, you know, have to write you letters because they're out of the country or whatever, when you see how they write, they don't write in sentences. And who who knows what LOL means, for heaven's sakes? Or my son uses ha-ha a lot in his letters. To tell me something's a joke, he says ha-ha. You know, back in the day, we just— Assumed you'd get it because that was funny. We don't even know how to give directions anymore because now we just, you know, I'll just send you the address and you can just do Google Maps on it. We don't necessarily know how to wait for someone in public anymore, according to this Huffington Post article, because now we can't wait if we don't have a phone. It's not going to work. And a lot of us don't know how to spell tricky words without looking them up because our phone autocorrects everything we write. Anyway, just a few crazy things that you may be losing as well as your cybersecurity during this uh, wonderful advanced age. This is the Matt Townsend Show, folks. That's hour number one. Thanks for joining us. We'll be right back. Hour number two, more ideas, more tools to help you find the good in the world. Stick with us.
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio.
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Every day, trying to bring you the tools, the ideas, the information you need To get through this crazy thing we call life and not just survive it, for heaven's sakes, but to thrive, that's the goal. It's not enough to just learn all of the crazy stories. Wouldn't it be better if you actually could uh, take advantage of life, grow, lead your family where you want to go, take your family to the next level? Man, that'd be a good life. Again, the goal of the program. Now, here's the deal. Today, we've got a great uh, topic coming up. We're going to be getting into um, just a very simple idea of your reputation. What is your reputation worth? Right? Everybody's got a reputation. And, you know, many say it precedes you. So wherever you go, people already know a lot about you. They kind of know what you're thinking. They know, uh, you know, what to expect from you. Iowa, in Iowa, the uh, Iowa newspaper, um, the Des Moines, what was it called? The Des Moines something. Register. Register. They say Trump is a feckless blowhard. Now, is that the reputation you want? Your reputation has a value. What is it? Every one of these presidential candidates, for example, they're out there trying to build their name and their name is money. In fact, That's why Hillary Clinton doesn't have to say much right now because her name is already there. Like 99% of the people know who Hillary Clinton is in the world. Crazy numbers. But there's a reputation there, too. She's kind of being hit because people don't sense she's very trustworthy. Trump's being hit because he'll say whatever he thinks so that everybody sees that as bold, but he's also offensive. Right? Everybody's got a reputation. Jeb Bush has a reputation because he's a Bush and other people don't necessarily like that. What is your reputation worth? Today we'll be speaking with an expert on the subject. Uh, David Wagaspak will be joining us, and he is going to uh, walk us through some research he did with judges at the Olympics. And they found that judges that are judging the Olympics actually favored people from countries where they had a really strong Olympic background, or a really strong athletic background. Isn't that weird? Your reputation precedes you. Maybe if you're from America, if you're from China in diving or whatever, you might get a better score simply because you're from China. Interesting stuff. Your reputation precedes you. We'll be getting into that in a few minutes. And uh, I want you to be thinking about it. What is your reputation worth to your neighbors, to your friends? Do people trust you? If we had to judge you just like we're judging all of these political candidates, would you have a reputation of not being trustworthy or of being somebody that just offends everybody? Where would you fit in the whole scheme of things? But before we get to your reputation, let's first go to the perfect perfect reputation, the person with the perfect reputation. Kathy Aiken.
2: Thank you, Matt. The 52-minute video of the arrest of Sandra Bland in Texas is being reviewed after alleged edits to the video were made. During the video, there are several times where the same car drives by or the same person appears, but the audio is uninterrupted. The video shows trooper Elton Mathis drawing a stun gun when Bland refused to get out of her car earlier this month. Bland was pulled over for failing to signal a lane change. The woman was arrested and found dead in her jail cell days later. Police say she committed suicide, but family and supporters aren't so sure and want a thorough investigation. Ohio Governor John Kasich made it official yesterday.
5: I am here to ask you for your prayers, for your support, for your efforts, because I have decided to run for president of the United States.
2: K six announcements makes him the 16th GOP presidential contender. That announcement was overshadowed by Donald Trump's campaign stop in South Carolina yesterday. He not only gave out South Carolina State Senator Lindsey Graham's cell phone number, he also slammed former Texas Governor Rick Perry.
0: I see uh, Rick Perry the other day, and he's so, you know, he's doing very poorly in the polls. He put glasses on so people will think he's smart, and it just doesn't work. Trump's
2: controversial comments are taking away airtime for many of the other GOP candidates. From mid-June to the middle of this month, Trump has had more media coverage than Jeb Bush, Scott Walker, and Marco Rubio combined. Democratic frontrunner Hillary Clinton is having trouble in some key swing states. According to a new Quinnipiac University poll, Clinton trails Marco Rubio, Jeb Bush, and Scott Walker in three states, Colorado, Iowa, and Virginia. Clinton's gap between the three was between six and nine points. A large majority of the voters in those states say Clinton is not honest and trustworthy. The same poll also showed voters nearly two to one had a negative view of Donald Trump. Los Angeles County supervisor, supervisors voted 3-2 yesterday to raise the local minimum wage to $15 an hour. That's up from the previous $9 per hour. The increase would apply to county workers and those in unincorporated areas under the control of the county government. The raise Scheduled to kick in by 2020. Four airplanes reportedly had lasers pointed at them last night over New York and New Jersey. That's now 20 similar incidents in the last week alone. Lasers can disorient a pilot approaching an airport. Pointing a laser at a plane is a federal crime. The FAA is investigating. And Matt, I know you say you don't like to spend money, but you know, if you have a spare $725 million. Yeah. You can purchase the Wagner Ranch just 175 miles northwest of Texas. Why? Let me tell you about it. Okay. <laughs> well, they're selling it. Okay. It's over 510,000 acres. Oh, my word or 800 square miles. That sprawls over six counties and is bigger than Los Angeles and New York City combined. So the ad says it's a Texas (laughs) fixer-upper with more than 1,000 oil wells, nearly 7,000 head of cattle, 500 quarter horses, long dead dogs, and a horse buried standing up. Weird, Ooh. and the property taxes Matt, only eight hundred thousand dollars a year.
1: Wow, that's a great deal. Yeah,
2: tip. the realtor in charge says there's about six hundred people that are uh, have expressed interest, which is hard to believe.
1: Interesting. And the realty
2: firm they could collect a commission of a cool. $8 million dollars if they get the asking this price. is
1: a 780 ish
2: 510,000 acres 800 square miles H-
1: how much is it we're going for
2: 725 million dollars. I
1: bet you could get them down to 680 690,
2: 690. <laughs> <laughs> you know Can give you, or take a few million
1: I don't know is if you if you had all the money in the world is that where you'd go is would you just go to Texas know. and buy you know
2: well, like they say, they think that whoever buys it will just sell it off in chunks. I mean, that's a huge, huge piece of property. You know
1: what? I would keep it all, mm-hmm. and I'd buy a really fast jet car, and, and I'd just drive, drive all over my You'd property. You'd have to
2: build your own, you know, yeah. roadway.
1: I, I wouldn't. I'd just do four-wheel drive because <laughs> it's probably just like desert, right? It's mm-hmm. just barren. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that would be fun.
1: I don't know. There's probably more you could do with your money. <laughs>
2: You probably could, yeah. But I, I'm really interested in the horse buried standing up. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, horses hate to be buried be on their side. Yeah, they don't
2: like to be down. They're That's usually a, you know,
1: They're there for eternity. And, <laughs> but isn't that an interesting thing? Um, you know how I want to be buried? This is just morbid. Mm-hmm. Well, do you know how you want to be buried? Just normal, in the I ground. guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. I want to be buried standing up. <laughs> and I want to be in a speaker pose. We call it the speaker pose. I want to be pointing like with my like finger guns mm-hmm. <coughs> and smiling. I actually that's, that's how I want to be at my viewing.
2: That is really creepy. I want to be
1: like stuffed <laughs> with guns blazing.
2: You know, at the best funeral, it what? was a woman in my neighborhood the other day. She got buried the day before her funeral. And then that night she had a celebration of her life, and I thought that was a that was a great way. Isn't that a great way to do it? Because otherwise, so, sometimes it can be so depressing. Well, when people so that say,
1: well, "I mean, what do you say?" Oh, wow! When people say, "Oh, she looks great." Oh,
2: is that the worst? She looks great. When someone will say, "Go up and look at," they look great. I'm like, no, no they no, look Not even dead. Going close. <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't. She like looked viewings. better when she was alive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a weird thing? Just
2: shut the casket. Yeah. Put a picture there. No, I yeah.
1: want to be stuffed and standing up mm-hmm. because, and I want to like have my hand out. Like I'm shaking hands.
2: That is really creepy.
1: Is that creepy?
2: Seriously, <laughs> creepy?
1: Is that too creepy?
2: Is your wife right now going okay? Quit. You know,
1: I always make. I've already got all my funeral arrangements made. Because every time, ta- every time I hear a well, no, every time I hear a song I like, I mm-hmm. tell my kids, kids, I want this at my funeral. Mm-hmm. So I like have a song list of about four hundred songs. <laughs> I already have certain people I want to speak, mm-hmm. certain videos I want people to show. Wow. Yeah. You are, you, are you, you
2: thinking something's coming up? Or? No, no. You're too young to have that planned.
1: I yeah, it's just I'm getting old. As you discussed last <laughs> yes. time, I almost need a colonoscopy. colonoscopy.
2: You're getting to that point, yeah.
1: I don't think it's that weird to have a standing up <laughs> viewing. Okay. Isn't that weird? <laughs>
2: that would be a first, I'm sure.
1: I know, but people would remember it. So they that's would the key. definitely remember. They'll always that. And remember Max. Where, where's your
2: wife going to put your body?
1: Why put me in, in the your living room? room?
2: In the living room, okay.
1: Just set me out in the living room. Okay. If they can do it to a dog, your, people do it with their horse. favorite yeah, dogs. They do.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Why not a person?
2: Or antelope or <laughs> deer. Is maybe, that, maybe you could just mount your head, who's, you know?
1: Who's that guy in your living room? Oh, that's Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> that's weird. Yeah. He loved being around people. <laughs> Creepy. That's totally creepy. That's why you need a good reputation, folks. Uh, Our next guest um, after this break is going to be uh, David Wagaspak. He's a professor that's been studying reputations and how your reputation may impact, really, your performance. People may give you more of the benefit simply because of your reputation. Have you ever seen a speaker or an entertainer that you thought was so amazing, and then when you saw them in person, they're they're amazing no matter what, just because of who they are? Even if their performance wasn't that great, you still think they're the bomb. Interesting stuff. We'll be right back, folks. Be thinking about your reputation. What does it say about you? And what does it get you out of life? We'll be talking about it up next right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, Benjamin Franklin once said, it takes many good deeds to build a good relationship and only one bad one to lose it. So what is the real power of your reputation? Can it really take you uh, and get you a job, for example? Can it actually force you to lose your job? Research was recently completed studying the effects of reputation on the performance assessments of judges at the Olympics, and Dr. Uh, David Wagaspack is joining us. He's the author of the study "Quality, Taste, and Sustained Superior Performance at the Olympic Games." He joins us right now to talk about this research. Dr. Wagaspack, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you for having me. Great to have you. And uh, honestly, uh, to me, this is a this is a pretty interesting little uh, research study you did. Talk to us about. First of all, why did you even get into the subject of, you know, reputation and the Olympics?
5: Uh, yeah, that's a good question. So uh, reputation is a complicated uh, process, and so where I got interested in this was was understanding whether reputations can build in advantages to certain parties, you know, firms or individuals, and whether they're sustained over long periods of time Um the Olympics are are a convenient test bed because we have a lot of data that's consistent over over a hundred years. Yeah. Uh, and also, I you know I like sports, and so it was <laughs> fun to do something
1: in this setting. So a little something fun for you. Plus the the history of it, and and I guess tell us uh, tell us how you did the research and what you found out. Apparently, a, 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 a team's reputation and history. You know, of performing well in sports, apparently it does impact.
5: Yeah, so there. It turns out there's actually a literature in economics on performance at the Olympic Games, and uh, there are some economists that look at outcomes at the country level. How many how many medals would be won by a country at each successive games, and they're able to predict it pretty well. Uh, how many how many medals a country will win every year, and the and the main explanatory variables are the wealth of the country. Uh, and it's past performance in the Olympic Games. Hmm. Uh, and when you talk about reputations, the, the way this is normally understood is, you know, past performance is an indicator of things I can't observe, A reputation is, and, and, and so it's they tend to be good at things. And and what we were interested in, my co-author and I, was, well, well could it also change the way people think in the present, uh, in, in terms of, you know, if I knew that you were good, Would it change the performance outcome as opposed to not knowing anything about you? Um, So what's interesting in the Olympic Games, uh, if you're a fan at all, and this is something that's actually annoyed me for years about the Olympics, is that there are some events where outcomes are just measured. Uh, So it doesn't matter whether you like the person that finished first in the 100-meter dash. They win. Um, And by contrast, there are other events where – uh, outcomes are subject to interpretation by judges. where The officials make an assessment. And in that case it's plausible to think that maybe this prior belief, whether I like this person or not, is going to matter for the outcomes. And that, that gives us some leverage to say, well let's look at the difference between cases where what someone thinks about your your past cannot have an influence on the outcome and cases where it can
1: And you found, I guess, in certain situations that are more subjective, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, your past performance, your reputation may actually help pull some weight.
5: Yeah, exactly. Like I said, it, it, it's pretty well established that there is a relationship that the same countries tend to win every year. Hmm. Uh, it's not It's not perfect, right? There's, there is still room for others to emerge and some countries to decline. Um, and, and what we did at one level is very simple. It's just, let's divide... Uh, the Olympic sports into those that we know are relatively objective, right, where we don't really have any, any reason to believe uh, an official can substantially change the outcomes. And those where the official can, mm-hmm. um, and that's of two types. They're either are referees that are making snap judgments on the field or judges that are actually determining who wins. So it, there is always this relationship over time. In all of these sports, it's just much stronger and more persistent in the case of the subjective and refereed sports.
1: Yeah. And, and I guess, and historically, this just comes from, because it almost, it gives a huge advantage because then even the pretty good athlete coming from a really well-established winning country has kind of just an inherent advantage. Yeah.
5: A very, a very persistent one. I mean, and, and the reason we wanted to do this paper is because it's a particular kind of advantage when you think about it. So a lot of the, a lot of the story around cumulative advantage, where people who are you know well positioned in society because of family or whatever, a lot of the reason why they do well is they get some kind of preferential treatment before the fact. So mm-hmm. they get admitted to a good school, for instance, right? And then and then it's what they learn there that perpetuates uh, their ability to perform well in the future. Um, we were trying to get at something a little different, which is, even after we've seen competition, does it change the way you think about it, knowing it's someone who's done well in the past? Yeah. Right? So, so it's, a, it's it's, after the fact as opposed to before the fact of competition.
1: Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it's real time, really. It's kind of happening as it's happening, right?
5: Yeah. Exactly. So.
1: Um, like even you know, you, it, like somebody might get like LeBron might get a call. Yeah, simply because he's LeBron. In the moment, it's LeBron. We're in Cleveland. You get the call. Yeah, if,
5: exactly. And and that, that actually points to another distinction that we try to make in the paper, which there are there are really two ways to think about subjectivity here, uh, and, and we can only partially get at this, to be honest with you. Um, one is that something something real has happened, but the the official finds it really hard to measure it or assess it, and yeah. so you might think okay did did uh lebron james um step on the out of bounds line for instance okay well an official's got to make a snap judgment and, and it, but in, in theory there's actually a right answer whether he uh-huh. whether he made the call right or is you know open to question and technology may solve that like it started yeah to,
1: now we can huh
5: yeah yeah you could think of things like um uh cameras in uh in baseball that can you know, it's conceivable in a few years, we'll no longer have umpires calling strikes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's other kinds of subjectivity that are not solvable in that way, and they have to do with, you know, expressions of style or artistry or grace. And and those are going to be uh, inherently personal assessments, but, but not even inherently personal. I mean, really the underpinning of the paper is that, you know, being an official is hard. And you're concerned with not just making the right call but you're concerned with how others think about your call. And so giving an advantage to someone like Bernie, uh, LeBron James is a safe – it's a safe decision. Yeah. Yeah. Like giving him the benefit of the
1: doubt. Does it matter I, – I imagine like um, a judge that's judging the dive competition. I don't yeah. even know what they are, the lung dive or whatever. Um, you know, was it a – Was his knee perfectly straight? Was it was it the perfect? But what if what if they're coming, for example, from the dive team of China, which I guess historically does pretty well. But what if I just personally don't like that diver? Just because I've heard stuff, but they're from China. Will that how does that sway me?
5: It's hard to say. Uh, we're not in their minds. I mean, it, and yeah. I think this is where you could say the fact that it is subjective. Well, that that wouldn't necessarily mean anything because everyone has their own preferences.
1: That's right. Huh.
5: And their own tastes. And I and, and I think that's where this this other leg of the argument, the accountability of the judges, becomes very important. Because if it was only their tastes, you know, there there would be no reason for them to necessarily pursue uh, or, or favor one over the other. Um, but but part of the story we got from some Olympic officials that we talked to is you know that the, they're concerned about their own evaluation. Mm. You know, if you're an Olympic boxing judge, you want to make the you want to be officiating at the finals, but you won't be if you're seen as a as an outlier.
1: Interesting, yeah, and they want to be respected. They're they're worried about their reputation.
5: Yeah. Yeah, this this is these are things we know already, right? This yeah. is the logic behind no one get fi- no one gets fired for hiring IBM. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So in some ways it's it's safer to make the the conventional well-respected choice and if it goes wrong you're less likely to be blamed, because it would have seemed to have been a reasonable choice in retrospect.
1: Yeah. Let's take a break. We're talking with Dr. David uh, Wagaspack. He's an associate professor of management and organization at the Robert H. Smith School of Business at the University of Maryland. He's teaching us about your reputation, folks. When we come back, I want to find out what all of this means in your world, your workplace, Uh, How does your reputation precede you? What, What impact does it have on the people around you? Maybe on the benefits you might get from it and some of the consequences you may end up paying. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking reputation today. Stick with us, folks, right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking your reputation and uh, the impact that it may have on on you know getting you some benefits that are just hidden, subtle benefits, an advantage simply because of your your reputation, who you are, and how uh, your reputation may precede you. Joining us on the phone is Dr. David Wagaspak. He's the author of the study, Quality, Taste, and Sustained Superior Performance at the Olympic Games. And uh, he's out of the University of Maryland, where he's a professor, associate professor of management and organization. Again, David, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Great to have you here. How does does this whole uh, reputation and performance, um, how does it play out in the corporate world, in our our day-to-day world?
5: Oh well, I, I mean, I think reputational effects are per, uh, pervasive. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's important to to step back and, and, you know, coming out of the economics literature, the original way to think about reputations were uh, what are the situations where it's it's worth investing in a reputation, where you um, where it makes sense in a marketplace, and it's and it's any kind of transaction where there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, where you know the price is not completely determinative of everything we need to know. For instance, huh. so this is this is why uh, this is why automobile companies will invest a lot in uh, quality and establishing warranties and so forth. Um, it, you know, in, in, in my work, really, I'm kind of turning that on the head. I'm, it's head. I'm talking about situations where some some people are advantaged because of this uncertainty. Um, but say an important thing to note is that even though we, we find this in in the Olympics and it persists over long periods of time, the, the effects are not enormous. They're not determinative of what happens in the world. And there is change.
1: Mm. But it seems like it would impact. Like, I imagine uh, the U.S. hockey team went back in the day when it went up against Russia. Yeah. Just the, the psych-out factor of yeah, having to right, go up right. against Russia I mean, it's got to be. I mean, think about that. That's it's that's not a. I mean, that's a hard thing to measure, right? But it's a huge advantage.
5: It it is, uh, you know. And that was I. Re, I do remember that watching that. On do you TV remember that,
1: You were probably yeah. a young punk, huh? Uh,
5: well, I no, you know. So I think uh, when was that? Nineteen eighty. Yeah. Yeah, and Lake Lake Placid, right? Uh-huh. So. Um. There are a lot of things going on here. So if you if you think about the Russia versus U.S. one, I mean, part of part of what reputations influences are the way people think about what they can do themselves, and and so I think you know if I'm giving advice to someone in in, in a career, you know, recognize that there's certain certain situations where, as you say, you could psych yourself out, uh, and you don't need to. Mm-hmm. But but also if there's a concrete lesson from this research that we've done on the Olympics. You know, recognize that there are situations where reputations are going to matter more and less. Um, And uh, arguably the most difficult situation is when it's something purely artistic, right? Because then then what is quality is really just the determination of – the collective determination of the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, And so you can imagine uh, if – you know, in this setting, you know, if I'm a country and I want to invest in doing better in the Olympics, well, there's, there's some sports where you might get more bang for your buck.
1: And you, you work get, on your reputation in those sports.
5: Well, uh, you may or you may not. You know, I mean, you, you know, if maybe it's more sensible for you to invest money in track <laughs> and field than right. those gymnastics, um, where then you're working against the really established reputation of the Chinese and the huh. Romanians, etc. Uh, so even if you're really good, you you would have trouble having that recognized.
1: It really it's a kind of a practical thing where I mean really you're where you get the advantage then is in in relatively or high subjectivity or activities where there's high subjectivity where it's more of just it's an artistic type of thing like even a, a I see it in business a lot with with presenters or speakers yeah. some just have this kind of ability. And you can't even peg it. They they might even violate a lot of speaking rules, but they can because right. it just works. And then that yeah. reputation proceeds. And, and it might simply be, you know, I'm thinking of uh, who's the old GM or the, the old oh, – what's his name? That's such a – you know, just says it like it is. And I, I just think, you know, some of these guys can walk in. If Bill Gates walks in to a tech conference – he can be pretty boring as a speaker but still have this wow factor.
5: Yeah, yeah, and, and what a what a great position to be in if you're lucky enough to do that. I mean, the way I encourage my own students to think about this is um, to think about something like the the iPhone or the iPod, and it's a great device, right?
3: Mm-hmm. You
5: have to kind of go through the mental exercise of asking yourself, do, do I like this because it's so good? Or do I think it's good because Apple made it? Yeah. Right? And that's a if you can set the terms of what it means to be high quality, you're in a profoundly powerful position with respect to competition.
1: So um, true, isn't it? Because really part of what you're buying is just Apple. Right. Now, or know, Honda or whatever com- yeah. the company name is.
5: But, of course, fashions are fickle. And that's, that's the part of the story that I, I can't address very well here is uh, It's certainly not true that we we always have the same tastes in fashion, or it's always the same producers that are fashionable. So it's possible that this also leads to a dramatic collapse. But but that's
1: not, that's a story for another set of reasons. Mm-hmm. Do do you what do you teach your students then? I mean, so part of that, I guess, when you're building a reputation, you you wanna you wanna focus on building one that I guess is and and how do you build the reputation? What should it look like? And and how do you build it to be the, to have the subtle advantage of an Apple?
5: Right. I, I, well, I encourage them to think of it as an investment. Okay? So so the idea is, uh, again, that there are certain markets where quality is uncertain, so consumers and other parties are, are looking to attributes of the producer. I, I don't know whether this is a great car, but I know it came from GM mm-hmm. or I know it came from Honda, uh, and I don't know how it's going to perform in the future. Um, so, so in, in those cases, uh, the, the, I guess the upshot of this research is to think about, well, there are discrete elements here, some of which are objective. You know, how reliable is the engine? What's the quality of the parts? And those you can invest in. Others, um, is it cool? Uh, is it stylish? Those are much harder to establish. And, and so your, your investments in those may pay off, but they're probably also much riskier.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And and it's interesting. Yeah. Because some things there, there's really awesome phones that are, you know, kind of trendy and cool, but they still don't bring the name of Apple or whatever. So it's yeah, it's, it's kind of a subtle it's a th- subtle thing. But you also are saying it's an investment. So I guess part of this is you need to know you need to know, I guess, since that was one of the I guess the genius of Steve Jobs is he also knew that he wanted it to have this feel. Yeah, this kind of artistic um, sense of oh, this is amazing."
5: Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, but he didn't—he didn't neglect the objective elements, right? Quality either, and that, and that—that's another very important lesson here. And, 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 and so, you know, as much as we could say, "Well, invest, invest in art, artistry, etc." Uh, you know, if your gymnast cannot perform the basic moves, it, it, it won't matter. Yeah. Right. So the the mix of these two then becomes important. Uh, and and if I knew what the right mix was, I guess I wouldn't be doing this anymore. But <laughs> but it's, it is it's a tough question.
1: It really is. Problem. Well, and it seems like it's still it's fairly subjective, too, because you almost have to know how to read people and and know what they want. Yeah. Or, or so, I guess be so persuasive that you tell them what they want.
5: Right. Uh, and and I, I suppose in certain situations that's going to happen. I, I, I think this this constraint to say, well, it's only in situations where there's uncertainty, is it's actually not that limiting. I mean, we don't, we don't have that many products that are purely commodities where price tells us everything we know. Um, you know, I think that the best example is, is you know, no, no one buys oil because it's cool. <laughs> right? right. But almost anything else, uncertainty comes
1: in. It's true. Uh, huh? it, what uh where else do you see that we ought to just at least acknowledge the power of reputation? What else are you teaching your students about, you know, about their investment into their reputation?
5: Um yeah, so so I mean like I said, I think this this is pervasive in the economy. Um you know, we can come up with a long list of products. I mean, certainly art is an extreme example, but uh, Food and beverages, uh, wine, cars, etc. Um, when when we when we talk uh, about what it means for students, usually we're talking about what it means for when they run firms, their own or whoever yeah. they work for, and to say, look, it's it's not just about the way the kind of an, uh, input you buy. It's not the quality of the grapes. It's not the quality of the production processes. It's also going to be something that happens on the other end in the way these things are seen. And so um I guess this goes beyond simple marketing, but it's 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 related to it.
1: And and it's and it's um the cool thing I guess about all of this is it's it's ours. It's ours to kind of understand and it's ours to um to to kind of feel our way through this process yeah. of building a reputation. And a brand. I mean, really, a lot of this is just about branding, right? And get your brand and slow and steady and get the objective side and get the artistic side.
5: Yeah, but I, I mean, I think it's important to, to, to realize here that um, it, it may be very difficult to, to build that reputation. And, and if you think about our setting where we're looking at performance in the hundred in the Olympic Games for over 100 years, uh, the fact that these things persist Suggest it's not easy to just change yeah. change the world, to change the way things are evaluated. So there there may be there may be limited strategy implications from what I'm doing, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. It's it's interesting. You have a really interesting truth, but it's it's not necessarily easily replicatable. <laughs>
5: Um, yeah, ma- manipulable, right? Yeah, uh, manipulable. I guess if it, if it was for, if it was easier for people to go out and and build reputations equally well, then this would go away. And it and it and that's it doesn't. I mean, it's a it's a very persistent future of markets, as far as we can tell. Mm. I mean, I should say one of the things that's interesting, if you look at the Olympic Games, is you know people that are uh, sports leaders and uh, sports officials, they they're aware of all this and they try to get rid of it. They try to objectify sports. Yeah. Make, yeah. And and that often has unintended consequences.
1: Oh yeah, so an unfair advantage. I mean it well, goes against you. It, it
5: may it may change things in the way in ways they don't want. Uh, so you know boxing has moved to um and, and boxing is another one of the settings we look at the difference between winning a, a boxing match by a knockout versus referees decision. Um and boxing has tried to make Scoring more objective by moving to an electronic scoring system. But it's it's changed the way boxers box, and it's also made judges more sensitive to what others are doing mm-hmm. because they set the system up so that it's based on a consensus of judges' decisions.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really it, It's kind of like it's such a subtle thing we're trying to figure out here, and it's, you know, sometimes it, we might even make it worse just by uh, just by very, trying to control something that's just more intuitive
5: it's it's very well right and 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 i think uh i think this is probably what i'm saying is probably not anything that a you know a good salesman doesn't already know
1: yeah yeah and they go going yeah explain it and bottle it
5: yeah but we're we're trying to measure it and and be a little bit more precise about the discrete elements yeah
1: well i appreciate it i think it's a fascinating uh study you've done again David uh, Waggispack, thank you. Keep up the great work and, um, you know, keep our Olympics clean. <laughs> I'll be working Thanks Good. for having me. You bet, David. Thank you. Uh, great stuff. David Waggispak, Associate Professor of Management and Organization at uh, the University of Maryland. Great stuff. There's a slight advantage. But then again, interestingly, it may also come back to haunt you in other ways. But that discussion between kind of the... Uh, The artistic side and the very factual, objective side. Let's take a break. We'll come back, do a little Coach's Corner on this. I'll talk about how it might be impacting your relationships, your reputation, your trustworthiness. It's a big deal, folks, and we'll be getting into your character and your competence. A very similar discussion from what David just walked us through. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us right here on BYU Radio. back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, the reputation that each of us uh, brings to the game, it's part of the game. When you come in uh, to your relationship with somebody, your interaction with somebody, you're carrying your past, your present, and the future all in that space. There's a great quote uh, that says, Who you are speaks so loudly, I can't hear the words you're saying. So your history with me... My history with you it speaks so loudly that we can't hear what each other's saying. It gets in the way. So, to think that you can go be something in one part of your life and be completely opposite in the other part of your life, it's not going to work. Eventually, it's going to come out. Things are going to get out, and your reputation. Will uh will precede you, and so in the in my relationship advice and coaching, um, I always focus on not just re- not the word reputation. I just focus on trustworthiness. And there's a big movement uh, lately about the importance of building trust, and trust is the real commodity of a relationship. Either I trust you or I don't trust you. Uh, there's a great book by Stephen M. R. Covey called The Speed of Trust where he talks about just the power of having a really high-trust relationship means you and I can do so much more. And that might be some of those benefits that uh, David Wagaspak was talking about when it comes to the Olympics. Uh, you might trust my training, my abilities, my skills, my consistency, and that might tip the scale a little bit. There's a, there's a great quote that says, low-trust cultures pay a high tax, Low trust cultures pay a higher tax. High trust cultures pay a lower tax. So if we have a really trusting environment and world, we, we can pay lower taxes because we don't need to have security measures. We don't need to have armies. We don't need to uh, you know have low jack on our car and insurance on our car, and we could leave our keys in the car. Do you remember back in the day when people would just park their car out in their neighborhood and just leave the keys there? If they have a high-trust culture, you can do that. If you have a low-trust environment, you have to lock it. You have to have lights, street lamps, car alarms, insurance. You have to pay the police to come by regularly. So in our relationships, there is a huge benefit if we have a history of trust with another person. And the funny thing about trust is it's it's hard to fake long-term. If I interact with you regularly, eventually— your trust and trustworthiness is going to be evident. And uh, there's two keys that Stephen Covey used to teach many years ago that lead to you being a trustworthy person, okay? Those two things are very basic, and it actually was was very close to what uh, we were just referring to with Dr. Wagaspek. The idea was simply, I have to have character, so I've got to trust that you have the integrity, the, the, the character traits, the strength— the willpower, the morality. I have to trust your character, that you will do what you say you're going to do. I also have to trust that you are competent, meaning that you actually know how to do it. It's not enough to just think you're a great person. I've got to actually believe you are skilled, that you are tooled, that you know how to do what you're doing. When you go see a doctor, you want a doctor that is skilled, that has the competency You also want a doctor that has the character, the integrity, right? If you go to a doctor's office and find out that they've been doing surgeries that were unnecessary, but no one's died, this is, it's amazing. His, you know, his survival rate's incredible, but we're doing surgeries that aren't necessary. Um, Okay, great. I guess he's competent, but we he lacks character. So when that happens to us, we have to go get a second opinion, So if a doctor tells me I need surgery, but I I question his character because I find out he's having an affair with somebody, then I might not trust what he's telling me. So, okay, I'll just go get a second opinion. So notice, we've just doubled the cost of this transaction. If you want long-term relationships with your spouse, they have to have a a sense of trust in you. They must see you as trustworthy. Trustworthy meaning you've got the character to do what you say you're going to do in this marriage. And you're willing to change, you're willing to grow, you're willing to adapt, you're willing to stay in it when times get tough, but you also are competent and you know how to be a partner. When I coach couples, a lot of what I see is people are falling apart, not always on the character issue, but sometimes on the competency. People just don't know how to be a partner. We don't necessarily train that skill, right? We don't give them the tools. That's one of my life goals is to get as many tools and ideas out there so the general public has the tools they need. Character and competency, both of them have to be there. So think about your relationships where you're struggling. Do you have character issues? If you lie, if you cheat, if you steal, if you say one thing and do another thing, then you're going to have a character issue. If your spouse is constantly wondering why you're on your phone and why you have a passcode on your phone, and you're not going to let them into your phone, then they may not trust you. And if they don't trust you, it's either a character issue or a competency issue. It's one of those. So think about it. And if you want power with your clients, with your friends, with your neighbors, with your coworkers, make sure you're working on your character. Make a promise and keep it. It's one of the fastest things you can do today to grow your character. Make promises, keep promises overcommit underdeliver or oh, undercommit overdeliver don't do it the other way you'll get fired but everybody out there's talking big about how much they're going to do and then they never do it and when you don't do it we don't trust you as far as competency goes get the skills to communicate get the skills to to build trust and relationships do something different if you want to have a long-term relationship it demands trustworthiness Trustworthiness demands character and competence. If you have trust issues in your relationship, in your life, go back and check your own character first, your own competency first, work on that. Then worry about your partner's character and their competency. By the way, the more character you have in yourself and you believe in yourself, the more you can handle the lack of character in others. It doesn't have to throw you off because you're dating or married to somebody, that's got really low character. That doesn't have to destroy your life if you have your own sense of character and your own sense of competency, if you trust yourself. Powerful stuff, folks. That's the Coach's Corner. Again, your reputation and your trustworthiness, it does precede you. That's hour number two. Thanks for joining us. We'll take a break. Come back next hour. More tools, more ideas to help you find the good in the world. This is The Matt Townsend Show.
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter. At Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend.
1: Now on BYU Radio.
0: BYU Radio.
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your guide on the side, your life coach. Helping you get the tools, the resources you need to grow your healthy, happy life today. Welcome to the program. Life is good. Unless you're Lindsey Graham and all of a sudden you're getting millions of phone calls from people who are like, hey, so is this Lindsey Graham's phone? Well, yeah, Donald Trump gave me your number. That's crazy. That's a a weird deal, man. Donald Trump, in one of his uh, interviews yesterday in South Carolina, gave away Lindsey Graham's Phone number. That is the, that is as low as you go. I mean, that's like making fun of someone's hair.
2: And especially if you have a good phone number and yeah. you have to get another one. Oh, and a, a you're a
1: senator and you've got this personal line. You don't do that. Isn't Lindsey Graham from South Carolina? Yes, he is. Does Donald Trump not know that Lindsey Graham has won many an election in South Carolina? So you'd want to. Just at least be nice to him.
2: I guess they figured if they were there to see Trump, they probably don't like Lindsey Graham, just guessing. Well, yeah,
1: but do they not? Maybe they just don't know that you've also got television cameras, and now it's going to be played everywhere. And now all of a sudden, names – I won't even use all the names, but idiot. Graham's been called an idiot by Trump, and then another name was used. Graham called Trump something.
2: That we can't say. That
1: we can't say. <laughs> it's game on. Holy cow! It's game on. You know, it's all just we're just ribbing, just ribbing you.
2: <laughs> They're all buddies after the TV. Come on, go give off, me a right? hug, Donnie, yeah.
1: Come here, Donny. Uh, yeah, it's getting crazy. But you know, let's just make it a rule, Kathy. I won't give your address mm-hmm. or your phone number out here. I'd in the
2: appreciate air. that. Thank you. Yeah. I won't do that to you either. No, your social security number. I'm not number, sure I even have your five phone two eight
1: <laughs> one seven. Don't be
2: guessing, because it could be somebody's number. It it probably is. (laughs) Some
1: old lady just stole her identity. Uh, Let's go to the headlines, find out what Kathy Akin's got in store for us.
2: Ohio Republican Governor John Kasich announced his run for president yesterday during a rally at Ohio State University.
5: We are going to take the lessons of the heartland and straighten out Washington, D.C. and fix our country.
2: Kasich becomes the 16th GOP presidential contender. Democratic frontrunner Hillary Clinton is having trouble in some key swing states. According to a new Quinnipiac University poll, Clinton trails Marco Rubio, Jeb Bush and Scott Walker in three states, Colorado, Iowa and Virginia. Clinton's gap between the three was between six and nine points. A large majority of the voters in those states say Clinton is not honest and trustworthy. That same poll also showed voters by nearly a two-to-one margin had a negative view of Donald Trump. Speaking of Trump, he's scheduled to visit the Texas-Mexico border tomorrow. He'll meet with members of the union that represents Border Patrol agents and will address the local law enforcement community as well. Trump began his rise in the polls after controversial comments on illegal immigration. The 52-minute video video of the arrest of Sandra Bland in Texas is being reviewed after alleged edits to the video were made. During the video, there are several times where the same car drives by or the same person appears, but the audio is uninterrupted. The video shows trooper Elton Mathis trying to pull Bland from her car, then drew a stun gun when she refused to get out of her car earlier this month. The woman was arrested and found dead in her jail cell days later. Her death is under investigation. Testimony in the penalty phase of the Colorado theater shooter begins today. Last Last week, jurors rejected the insanity claim by James Holmes, who killed 12 people and injured 70 others three years ago. He was found guilty on 24 counts of murder and 140 counts of attempted murder. The decision whether or not Holmes should be sentenced to death could take up to a month. Four airplanes flying over New York and New Jersey last night reportedly had lasers pointed at them. That's now 20 similar incidents in last week alone. Lasers can disorient a pilot approaching an airport and is a federal crime. The FAA is investigating. And Matt, a new study suggests men can mm-hmm. gain baby weight. After oh. they become fathers. How many Duh. children do you have? <laughs> Six.
1: I've gained five so pounds, pounds per kid. There you go. The study, is five the number?
2: Five is the number. The oh. study published in the American Journal of Men's Health said they could gain up to five pounds. Yeah. And he said the weight gain may be due to less sleep, less exercise, uh-huh. and more stress. Don't give it to me. I wish I gained five, just five you pounds. You know what? That would be great. I'd
1: give anything to be a woman that's having the baby. You would? Than the husband that's not. Because women can lose... A lot of weight <laughs> just having the baby. Plus, you get to feed the baby.
2: Okay, I'm going to smack you because you know how hard it is to I can't even look at that. you when I'm saying it. <laughs> you know, I have it's a sister-in-law. Hard. I think she walked out in the same pair of jeans she had before she got pregnant. Oh, it's very depressing. Those yes. people make And then there are those sick. that take a long time to lose that baby weight. That's yeah. hard.
1: You know yeah, what? So. I Because, um, you know, when you're having the baby you're and you're pregnant, you start wearing those stretchy pants. And For sure, And all of a yeah. sudden, overalls look like a really good option. <laughs> And so I started wearing stretchy pants with mm-hmm. my wife and yeah. overalls, Good. and Made then you feel a little better. Kind uh, of
2: a sympathy, kind no, of no, just
1: actually pure necessity. Oh, okay, just somewhere to put the gut. <laughs> the gut's got to go somewhere, and so I just. You know, would wear them. And then my wife, after she'd have a baby, she'd go back to her regular clothes. Yeah. And then I'm just stuck You're looking like a hillbilly. Stretches.
2: Yeah, good. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Is that, I love bad? that Yeah. You know, the depressing part, though, is when you, when you gain a certain amount of weight and you have an eight-pound baby and you get on the scale and you've only lost like five pounds. You don't know. know what that. Is that? Yeah, that's kind of depressing, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know.
2: So I'll take the five pounds any day. But
1: everybody thinks it's, uh, it's hard to be the dad.
2: The stress would be very hard of, of – Trying to be the supporter and yeah, the provider, I yeah. get
1: that. I wasn't even talking about that. <laughs> it's what just, was the
2: stress? Getting up at just night? Just the
1: weight? No, 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 no. Didn't do that either. Maybe it's not as hard being the dad. It's really, but I, I have gained five pounds seriously per kid. So you're
2: thirty pounds heavier than when you had your oh, first for child,
1: sure. <laughs> Everyone thinks I'm this okay, but really what's overweight. The guy. What's your stress? Oh, it's not stress. It's a love of all things uh, fake, all, all horrible foods, all things processed, <laughs> all trans fatties.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That's what they that call will do me. It. In my house, they call me Trans Maddie. <laughs> it's rude. I'm sick of it. Oh, that's a good thing. I do have. Thank you. But again, always think of the men too. I mean, you got to think of us. We always think of the women. Your body has this battle. You got to, you're beat down. Men are too. Men get stretch marks.
2: Yeah, I probably wouldn't go there because I'm not feeling any sympathy for you whatsoever. I'm trying,
1: guys. I'm out there. I'm doing this for the guys and no one's (laughs) listening. It's like they're not even, no, Matt, don't even say that. No, don't
2: even go there. Do not yeah. go there.
1: But this is a, this is a study. But like they're surprised by this. To me, this is a no brainer.
2: Is it? See, I yeah, I, uh, I wouldn't know the men's side on that. But five pounds. Per Did your child, husband gain weight? Uh. You have, he gained weight when he had two knee replacements and couldn't run like he yeah. used to. He was an avid runner. So that kind of did it But that's it what him. happened. Well,
1: when you but, have kids, You start yeah. your knees go yeah. out, your hips go out. Well, I
2: think especially that first one, you don't know what you're doing. And there is a lot of stress. And oh, you yeah. don't get the no. exercise totally. you probably used to sleep. get in the sleep. Yeah. So I can see that.
1: And it's funny because my daughter's, it. <laughs> my daughter's pregnant. Oh, yeah, totally. My daughter's <laughs> pregnant. And uh, they are... They're, you know, they're, you want to be nice and you want to like, give them some advice, but they also, you know, they're not going to listen. So I just smile. and am like, you know what? It's the greatest thing in the world. It is. You're going to, you're going to love it. Will this
2: be your first grandchild?
1: I, I will be my first grandchild. Grandpa. And it's going to be a granddaughter. And I have an entire scout troop looking right in the here. window right now. It's pretty Look, you're going cool. to
2: have one of those pretty soon. I know. Yeah. Isn't that cool? That's way cool. But you know
1: what I was worried about is do grandfathers put on weight? Probably not. I, you They're enjoying what? the fact you to back. You are? I'm already putting on some Uh-oh. sympathy weight for my daughter. <laughs> you know what it is, actually? It's just I don't... See, I
2: would have thought it was the opposite for grandparents. No, uh-uh.
1: I think I just... Because
2: they, think... they have it figured out
1: that mm. they get to
2: love them and then give them No, back. I think
1: that's brilliant. It's yeah. just, but I still... You
2: still gain the weight.
1: I still gain the weight.
2: You need to call this guy and, and uh, get a new study going. I think
1: I just need to, you know, <laughs> <Stop> exercise <eating. laughs> more and not eat as much junk food. Oh, you always do that to me, Kathy. Ah, blasted. Well, one way to, to have a better life would probably be just getting in shape, right? But um, our next guest is going to be talking about the small things that you can do right where you are to create the better life. Everybody wants a better life, right? Well, what if we could give you the secrets of how to just become a morning person? Is there a way to do that? And how about the power of gratitude We'll uh, take a break. Claire Diaz-Ortiz will be joining us. She's the author of the book, The Better Life, Small Things You Can Do Right Where You Are. Folks, we're going to help you find the better life in just a few minutes. Stick with us. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, you know, we live in a world that's constantly moving. Everything's moving around, forward, back, constantly on the go. And we're all in search of a better life, aren't we? We want to have a better future. But uh, have you ever wondered, what about instead of just spending all of my time now to play a better life in the future, what if I could just have a better life right now? What if I could get more focused and be in the now Claire Diaz-Ortiz, the author of The Better Life, joins us today to discuss what things we all could be doing right now to uh, to make our lives better. Claire Diaz-Ortiz, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show.
6: Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here.
1: Now, is it true, young lady, that you were standing next to the Pope, Pope Francis, as he sent out his first tweet?
6: Yes, but it was Pope Benedict.
1: Oh, was it Pope yes, Benedict back you, in the day?
6: It was it was in December of two thousand twelve, Pope Benedict was the first pope to ever tweet, and I spent about a year working with the vatican to to try to make that happen, and it did you and yes, I am standing right there.
1: What's it like when the Pope's like you know on his cell phone tweeting that's gotta be pretty cool.
6: It was a wild moment, and it it was an iPad because I think
1: yeah, oh yeah, uh, well,
6: you know a little a little bit bigger for sure,
1: him yeah, me. eyes are going. Um,
6: but it was it was an incredible moment, and uh, I will always remember it.
1: That's for sure. What an honor for you, especially. It sounds like it was something you've been working for, where You've been working for, and uh, finally it happens. So, so we really can make things happen in our lives.
6: We really can. It's it's not always easy, and it's not always fast. But um, when we when we want something, and we we work hard, and we get some sort of luck on our side, then things things work.
1: Yeah. Bada boom, bada bing is how I say that. Uh, yeah. Talk about your book for us. It, it really, it's a great book. Just It's such a, it's a kind of a concise, small uh, book, but it's got a lot of great solutions and ideas. How did you get into writing this book, The Better Life? Small things you can do right where you are.
6: Sure. Well, quite honestly, you know, I, I didn't expect to write this this book. And what was happening was I was just, you know, I write on my blog regularly. It's a business blog. And I write kind of about things people can do to work better and be more productive and uh, live a life they, they want to live, live the life they want to live. And I wrote a couple sort of posts that I didn't think were that big of a deal. You know, they were just sort of these little posts about basically little things you could do in a day to make you feel a bit better and work a bit better. And they really, really resonated with readers. And it was sort of in the process of seeing that these sort of small tip posts were really resonating that we kind of thought hey why don't we you know pull these together and come up with a bunch more of these type of lessons and pull them into a little book because i think this is the type of thing that that people really can eat up you know we're yeah. all so busy every day that so much of what we want in terms of trying to figure out how to live better is is sort of lessons that are that are bite sized
1: man and it really is we don't have time for the for the, sometimes even to read any book let alone um to, to go and do, make change in our lives, but to have a few of the ideas you bring up. For example, you you can teach us how to become a morning person.
6: <laughs> how do you do that? Now, <laughs> it's a challenge. You know, and let me say that I'm not sure I am. I'm, I'm not genetically a morning person. I'm not I either. Still don't get up at 5 a.m. by any means like many folks out there. But what I do believe is that the morning is the time where most of us can do our best work. And so what I do and what I encourage other people to do is try to craft a morning that allows you to use those energetic hours to get your very best work done. Mm. And for me, a huge, huge part of that is creating a morning routine. And I think it was really when I created a morning routine that I really understood what it means to be a, you know, quote unquote morning person, even if you're not getting up at
1: five. Yeah. I I mean, if you can get up at whatever time you get up for the lucky people that get up at seven, for example, because I get Mm -hmm. to get up not to brag, Claire, at 4.40 in the morning. That's my blessing. And um, I know, I know. I actually it is 4.40 is the time. And uh, the entire the minute that alarm goes off, I hate my life. And I I hate everything about it. And then once I get blood circulation and flow and I'm walking and then it starts to get really great. But what I've noticed is at 10 when my show ends, um, I've put four hours in already and we've created some pretty cool stuff and I feel really good. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I got it done and kind of what your book – a lot of what it seems like it's about is – you don't need big things, just a little adjustment. You don't have to get up at 440, but just if you get up at 7 and you can go get a lot done and, and, and have a really impactful two or three hour push when you've got a lot of creativity on board, it could make a huge difference.
6: And you know what I think is so amazing is that I I think honestly most of us, you know, those few hours in the morning are, are more effective than, you know, nine hours throughout the course of the day. Oh, yeah. People don't realize that. But when you really try to work hard in the morning hours, whatever time that starts for 40 or seven am or eight am, uh, you realize, wow, I have energy. my mind is clear. I can do this now and I can do it better than I could if I strung this out for nine or ten hours throughout the course of the
1: day. Yeah. you what is the what's like one of the first things I can do? What's the, Is there a big small thing I could do? I mean, get up early, that might be helpful and have a plan or a kind of a process you go through. What are some other things I could do really, you know, early in the day to have a big impact?
6: So, you know, I've, I've got to say it again, but I really think a morning routine is essential. And I, for about four years now, have kept up the same morning routine. And you know, a routine can be anything. Some people, when they think of a routine, it's, you know, get up, wash your face, get the coffee. When I say morning routine, I mean something really intentional that sets you up for the day. And so for me, that involves reading and journaling and doing a devotional and praying and I really believe that this sort of 20-minute period that I take in a day is the smartest mm. thing I do all day and you know it's hard let me tell you it can be hard because sometimes I can wake up and as you're saying you get the blood flowing and yeah. all of a sudden you know you've got the iPhone next to you you want to pull it out you uh-huh. start You reading emails you want to jump into the fray and it's hard to say hey I'm gonna take 20 minutes for myself to read on, you know, paper uh-huh. and think and journal and pray, and that's—it's not always what you want to do. Um, but I, I believe it's basically the smartest thing you can do all day to set yourself up for not only productivity but also just happiness and peace.
1: And you've—you've you've obtained the victory. Stephen Covey used to say, "Obtain a victory early." Because if if you can have a victory, and that that would be kind of a physical victory, a mental victory, a spiritual victory early, then it, it does set up. It's easier to take the next victory and to have the next victory. Because it's kind of like if you exercise early in the morning, or it, it's easier to eat healthier throughout the day. You've already you know you've already burnt five hundred calories or whatever. Just don't blow it now.
6: No, no, it's absolutely true. It's this amazing domino effect. And, you know, exercising in the morning is another amazing thing you can do for not only feeling better, but just having positive energy throughout the day. So,
1: what about yeah. what about just being present? I mean, I know that's a big part of this. And your book, I mean, a lot of stuff, it's kind of your book is, is titled Small, The Better Life, The Small Things You Can Do Right Where You Are. Most of us aren't even where we are in our head. You know what I mean? We're not even present in our lives
6: isn't that the truth? Ugh. I mean it is unbelievable how unpresent we are how absent.
1: I mean you're driving a really car are. and you're not Hi. even there. Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah. I I'm aware. My I have a 15 month old daughter, and she's just literally turned the switch where she understands what an iPad is and understands oh how great it is. Yeah, and it wasn't like this. She literally didn't care, and now all of a sudden she cares, and it's just given me such incredible insight into things that I've written about and talked about for years. This idea of you know getting offline, understanding your digital life, and trying to you know disconnect from it so that you can live in the present. But just seeing her at this very young age, all of a sudden and get, get into this mess. I'm just amazed by, by, you know, she's feeling that way. She wants the iPad because she sees her parents doing it. She totally. sees that on our, on our iPhones way too much. And it's just really, really important to be mindful about technology use. I mean, so one of the things that I've, I've done, and I think it's been about three or four years now, and I just swear by it, is, is this idea of taking a digital Sabbath. So taking a day where you really disconnect from devices. Mm. Um, and so I do that at least one day a week. It's usually on Sunday. Um, and then if I'm really lucky, I do two days of just being off the computer entirely on the weekend. And I think oh, it's I just that. a really important thing to kind of refocus you. And it also, you know, energizes you because truth be told, if, if you like what you do in life as your job, um, you will be more excited to do it on a Monday if you, mm-hmm. if you really take some time away from it.
1: Oh, I love that. And and it really is. It's cuz it's it's a sacrifice, but then it's it's actually additive. It's something that's going to make you better. And and actually probably more attuned. Right? You could actually offer it like a sabbath. You so it sounds like you offer it almost as an offering like uh, to to your to your belief system. You're saying, mm-hmm. "I'm going to give this to God. I'm I'm not going to mm-hmm. go there." And then it's a spiritual mm-hmm. event.
6: Absolutely. And it I makes it so that. much easier to have a spiritual day as well uh-huh. when you're not scrolling through Instagram and Twitter all
1: day. And if, you know, I assume if mom's doing it, it's easier for the daughter to do it and everyone else to do it in the family.
6: Absolutely. I and mean, vice you know, versa. I, I'm doing it for everyone in a way because it's modeling behavior that I, I want to extend to others.
1: Oh, see, and look at that. I Right when you said that fast or that Sabbath idea, I thought, oh man, my kids would die.
6: But mm-hmm. honestly,
1: Good. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. the sacrifice would make them better. And they, they, we actually mm-hmm. know that we have a, a sports, uh, a sports person on our show regularly uh, from BYU Sports Nation. And he talked about how he lost his phone. And for about three or four days, he didn't have a phone. He was on a trip, mm-hmm. didn't have a phone. And he said it was the best thing for their marriage. They changed. Yeah. They, they had they finally had time to be together. That's cool.
6: Well, you know that brings up the other sort of big issue here, which is you know this idea of vacations. When we do sort of disconnect and try to be with family, we're we're not there at all because of this technology. And that's uh, we see that in small doses in our daily lives. You know, not turning off the phone at eight p.m. or at seven p.m. or whatever you you think it's family time. But when you go on vacation, and here we are, you know, in the midst of the summer in the U.S., when you go really on a vacation and still take all your devices with you and still stay as connected as ever, it's just a
1: it's just such a waste. Mm. It's so. It's such a big deal. Let's take a break. Again, we're speaking here with Claire Diaz Ortiz uh, from the website. Claire Diaz Ortiz. She's a blogger and uh, a world traveler. I mean, she's she's gone to Oxford for heaven's sakes, Stanford. She's a smart cat, and she's teaching us how to just get our lives back and find the better life. We all need it, folks. We all need it, seriously. And, uh, you know, one day you can have it. In fact, how about today? That's the goal. We'll take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. More on The Better Life right here. Welcome back, friends, to The Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about finding the better life, the small things you can do right where you are. Our guest is Claire Diaz-Ortiz, who wrote a book by the same title, The Better Life, and um, she is a blogger and a world traveler. She she gets it and tries to make it simple in her book, but is trying to give us just a few tips on how to find the better life Claire Diaz Ortiz, thank you again for being here.
6: Thank you so much for having me.
1: This is—it um, seems kind of like a no-brainer that we should <laughs> we should do this naturally, but we get so caught up in everything else. What I mean, you you how do you do all, do it all? You run. You're a volunteer in a charity. Um, uh, you actually, you are the co-founder of Hope Runs, a nonprofit organization. Operating in AIDS orphanages in Kenya, you're a mom, you're a blogger. How do you keep it all straight?
6: For me, it's really, really about being intentional. And I mean, obviously, the the, the first caveat here is is you know I, I don't do a great job most of the time. I'm, I'm you know falling on my face on most days, I'd say. But I'm getting up again and trying again and again, and trying to get better with each and every day. But I think the key that we all are trying to learn is to be more intentional with our lives, is to be more intentional with our time, to think more about what we really care about, and then to compare that to what we're really investing our time in. Um, you know, it's so easy to to think of that statistic that says that most Americans watch three or four hours of television each day, right? Mm, yeah. And you know, some television, that's great, maybe it's a, it's a great outlet for you. I, I love The Bachelor, it's my guilty pleasure, <laughs> you know, things like that are sure. okay. But you know too much of that and you're just going to waste your life on that and that's what so many of us do and for seasons of lives or for whole years
1: i mean, i guess that's the key huh cuz you've if i spend my entire life vicariously living through the bachelor or bachelorette mm-hmm. i may mm-hmm. i mean and, and to to a huge extent then all of a sudden i'm not i'm not living my own lesson i'm not bringing my own music here
6: absolutely you're not creating your own Art. You're not creating your own life and, and being who you're, you're here to be, essentially.
1: One of the small changes you talk about, too, is celebrating your real life. What, what do you uh, mean by that?
6: There's an interesting post, or I guess it was an article in Relevant Magazine a couple years ago by Shauna Nyquist, who's a writer. And uh, I believe the title of the article, if it wasn't exactly this, it was something like this. It said, you know, stop Instagramming your perfect life and the idea you know of her piece was essentially that it's so easy on social media for us to just see the perfect lives of others and for us to then want to emulate that in in our own social media lives right
3: mm-hmm. and so
6: it was this call for us to to be authentic to be authentic online as we are in real life and i think it's a very hard thing to do obviously you know so many of us now we We essentially, in social media, we kind of have these mini brands. I mean, most of us don't think of ourselves as brands, but when you have a social media presence and you're putting something out there, you're effectively kind of creating a little mini brand of yourself. And it's important to really think about what, what you're giving out there. Is that really who you are and is that really... Who you know on an honest day-to-day basis you want to be, and you know that doesn't mean you've got to show your <laughs> your messy kitchen every morning on right. Instagram by any means, but it does mean just bringing more authenticity into the fold.
1: And what do you become? I mean, what do you become when you're more authentic? It's almost like you have to dill. Deal- you actually- you actually appreciate yourself more because it's me. Absolutely, this and, is me
6: and. Absolutely. And then aside from just appreciating yourself more, you're able to build real relationships with people. Uh, You know, I, I've lived a lot of my life online, I think. And as a result, I've actually built really great friendships and relationships with people that have begun in my online life. So I don't, I don't believe that. You know, your online life is is so so very distinct from your quote unquote real life, but in order for those relationships to mean anything you've you've got to be authentic
1: mm. you also give some great advice uh quit something every week I'm i sure, somebody... that talked about that that's brilliant to me because most of us keep adding things every week until we explode
6: absolutely so my friend bob goough he's the author of a book called Love does, which is amazing and he has this practice, I don't know how many years he's done it, he calls it Quit Thursday. And essentially every Thursday, he, he quits one thing, and it could be a little thing or a big thing. And just the idea behind this is just that in order to live good lives, we need to tear ourselves down to to the essential people we we want to be and intend to be. And so one way to do that is to sort of, you know, cut out cut out the excess, essentially.
1: That's so great. I mean, it could be anything. It could just be a habit or a slight habit or, um, you know, it's easy to just say yes, isn't it? And that's, I guess, Mm -hmm. where you lose your authentic self because you're saying yes when you really mean no, but you want to please people.
6: Right. And then you end up feeling regret and um, anxiety and just feelings of upset that you did say yes. And you try to sort of blame it on others. But honestly, it was it was you that agreed to do it.
1: Yeah, yeah. You can't blame anyone. But you hey, as we wrap this up, we got about a minute left. What would you say I always ask for the one thing that is the big thing? If if you had to just think of one thing that we could do today, that would make a difference, or start the difference in our lives? Um, what would that one thing be?
6: I think that one thing would be quieting your mind, just getting away from everything for a few minutes. And whether that means just sitting there thinking of nothing or praying or writing, it's just creating that space so that you can sort of start to hear what your life is trying to tell you. Mm. Uh, We just go from morning to night from morning to night, and we race, race, race through our lives, and we don't even know what's, what's, what's really going on most
1: of the time. Wow. Yeah. No, it's so true, isn't it? It really is. Just quiet your mind. Quiet your mind. Such great advice. Well, Claire Diaz-Ortiz, we so appreciate you. Again, the author of the book, The Better Life, Small Things You Can Do Right Where You Are. And go check out her website, Claire Diaz-Ortiz, where you can get also her blog, um, which is it seems like the source of a lot of this great, uh, great insight. Claire, thank you. Good stuff, folks. Really, when you think about it, man, it's life. It's yours. Seize the day, right? Let's go get it. Let's go figure out what we can do today. And if all you can do today is just quiet your mind a little bit, let's start there. And then, you know, we can work some of the other things day in and day out. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking to our good buddies down at uh, BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. Stick with us, folks. The fun begins in just a few minutes. But don't worry be happy don't worry be happy now. welcome back everybody to the Matt Townsend show don't worry that's Spencer Linton right there singing that and Jerem in the background doing vocals there you go Jerem we're gonna go down and shoot down to our friends at BYU Sports nation hello Ja oh man what's up how are you doing we're good we're good. You Pitzer seem.
7: Recorded this back in '08.
1: D- did he? Did he?
7: <laughs> Made now, a ton of dough on iTunes.
1: Ah, this is fantastic. I love your background. I just work for fun. You guys know why I'm playing this song? Came no. On. Guess what today is?
7: I have never known.
1: It's Hammock Day.
7: <laughs> Every day is Hammock Day.
1: Grab yourself a hammock, folks. It's Hammock Day, and I know how you guys like your hammocks.
8: And how would that be?
1: Medium rare. <laughs> <laughs> You're smart, Alex Hey, uh, happy hammock day <laughs> thank, thank you, sir You know what? Uh, does anybody know when the hammock was invented? Or was... nobody knows, actually But do you know when they were popularized, I guess?
8: I'm going to say in the late
1: 1800s Ooh, not even close
8: How about uh, 1600s? 1590 Wow
1: Hammocks were adopted for the use Where? Sailing uh, ships. Spain. No, in sailing ships, the Royal Navy formally Makes adopted sense. the canvas sling hammock in 1597.
8: Wow, you're really digging, digging in the well on July 22nd, aren't you?
1: It's a very, <laughs> very lonely day.
8: I'm just kidding.
1: That is so rude. Hey, uh, <laughs>
8: <laughs> we, we do this every day. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you guys. Now, now, yeah, now I know how you feel. Hey, I've got some other interesting news. Okay. Hmm. So let's just say you were a Russian billionaire, okay? And uh, you you were a big Silicon Valley investor. Let's just say your name was Yuri Milner. He announced that he will spend $100 million to search for intelligent life elsewhere in the universe. Whoa. Hmm. One million bones to uh, to figure out.
8: A hundred million bones? Uh-huh.
1: That Is crazy? that even
8: going to get you anywhere?
1: You uh, Yeah, for sure. Think of all of the, you know, physicists you could buy with that, and just own them, and their telescopes. We tried to get away
7: from that practice in the United States a long time ago, right?
1: (laughs) Totally.
8: Can he he just give BYU like, I don't know.
7: You know what's funny about a a tenth
8: of that?
1: You know what's funny
7: about a hundred million? What? That's five years worth of dough for any Power Five team. Oh, is that how you from their TV contract? That's it.
1: Is that how you measure this stuff now?
7: Basically, I was thinking the same thing. And some conferences four years,
1: some conferences. We've come and a half to years. that.
8: It's depressing, Matt.
1: Do you guys think it's a good idea to measure everything by the a uh, conference, you know, media budget? <laughs> I measure well, my salary by the power that, five? And A lot of zeros
7: <laughs> in there after the decimal. Hey,
1: what That's would you, interesting. What would you guys? I mean, is it a good idea that we try to contact? I mean, don't you think it's going to be weird? Like, let's say we I do think they find out. Come to us. Yeah, we should
7: allow that. Like, Superman shows up, great. Let him, um, let them come to us, you know contact we you know with Jody Foster, you know we we spit we make two, you know the first one doesn't work, we get out there, we contact them. There'll it's, be a black hole you know that we go out there and find, and we go through there'll be an avatar plant like we've we've conceived some ideas <laughs> that could be reality in the future, right? Sure, sure. we're not just entertained by these for right. ten bucks in a
1: dark room. But wait till they show wait, up. We are. You're I mean, right. Well, a fifth
8: well, dimension, like an interstellar.
7: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, um, yeah. You guys. No. I, I was just. Never what? mind. I was just about to mention something else, but that would totally take us a different direction. Um, <laughs> and that would be way out of the norm for our conversation. Totally. We want to. We want to <laughs> stick to the script. So, but one of the things I'm thinking is, um, let's say, you know, we have awkward conversations down here on Earth. The minute you've now got this this other life form. You know, how awkward is it if they're, if, if, what if we're like really beneath them? Then we just look like a bunch of hillbillies trying to track them down. Well, or, if they
7: contact us, they're ahead of us.
1: Exactly. That's why we wait. We wait. I think it's the same, and I think this is the same rule for BYU getting into a Big Five conference. We just let them wait. We're kind we, of, we're kind we of wait. like, we're, we're the outsider. We wait till they come to us. Okay, so that, you well, don't you may-
8: don't want BYU to go out and contact people. You don't want them to look
1: for I the think, Power Five, or if or maybe go see if Yuri will invest another hundred million to get BYU <laughs> into one of the Power Five.
7: It's a little cheaper for the uh, Big Twelve pursuit <laughs> than uh, if you brought a
1: hundred million.
7: Dude, seriously,
8: if you if BYU like in in a real real life scenario, if, if there were some super uber rich donor that was like, I'm going to give BYU a hundred million dollars. <laughs> oh, geez and the conference that invites them first can have a half of that 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 may get something done that would
1: get her done <laughs> yeah let's do let's just, so put that out there on your show today i'm i'm helping you solve anybody this anybody have
8: 100 million
1: yeah
7: well any any potential BYU donor has already already chosen to give 10% of that away that's true elsewhere yeah so they only have 90% to work with
1: yeah but a lot of them are by a choice. lot of them have plenty by choice so I'm just saying, That's throw true. that because out on your have show. they haven't
7: given much, they too must give.
1: Holy cow. You're quoting everything. Hey, I watched a video you guys sent me yesterday. That was great. Oh, yeah. Leroy Jenkins. Leroy <laughs> Jenkins.
8: Dang it, Leroy. Oh,
1: Dude, that reminds me of us. Like you, the, the three of us gathered around creating this incredible plan.
7: And then, and then we ask Spencer what the chances of succeeding are, and he says 33.3%, <laughs> repeating, yeah. of course.
1: Okay, but who's Leroy? I, I have a— I, I don't, think, I don't I, know. Jerem, I think Jerem's Leroy.
7: I'll be Leroy. I love, how, I love how defiant
8: Leroy is in that moment in that computer video. <laughs> He's
1: like, I'm done talking. Let's do this. <laughs>
7: Leroy Jenkins. He was clearly uh, so, affected by some
1: means. So <laughs> my listeners may not know who Leroy Jenkins is. So, Jerem, do you want to explain what? it?
7: Just watch the YouTube video.
1: Come it's a on. YouTube video. Just look, go look up Leroy Jenkins. It's a it's an online video game where you can play with a bunch of people.
8: Yes, they're all playing together. They're collaborating on how they're going to defeat the big bad boss. <laughs> and one guy decides to just ruin it all and go in on his own. I mean, that, that, yeah, the, the melee after is super bunch of nerds They get and shredded. You
1: can the
7: conversation and it's fantastic.
1: And every, then everyone's mad at Leroy because he's mad so at impetuous. Leroy.
7: <laughs> Leroy Jenkins,
1: but, but, and so Jaron keeps bringing that up. So Jerem, you hey, are, you are my Leroy.
7: At, at a concert, um, like two months ago, it yeah. was kind of an awkward pause between songs. There were only like a hundred people there. It was a rock concert, and I yelled Leroy Jenkins, <laughs> and people started laughing. And the lead singer was like, <laughs> "Did he <you> get it? <laughs> they all know." Yeah, yeah they That's got it. Great. Yeah. Was, See, I now feel fun. like I'm in
1: the know. I'm now really they cool. I felt
7: awkward so I was like someone's got to say something and I'm yeah. going to just yell Leroy Jenkins.
1: No, like, I think that, that This is perfect. the
7: time and place.
1: And and it's it's such a beautiful anthem of <laughs> of independence and just free will.
7: The millennials, it really defines the millennials. And
1: sure it sure it got everyone killed. But <laughs> and it wasn't even the guy's name apparently. He just <laughs> yelled it. Who kn- yeah, who knows? What,
7: yeah, I want to meet that guy. You
1: can, there's videos of him doing it now at all these conferences. Wait, what? Yeah, I, I saw a video of someone of him. I, I don't want to know what he looks like. No, oh, you don't want to know. No. He, no. it's it's shocking.
7: Yeah, sometimes you don't want the book no. to become That's a movie. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Yep. Hey, you know that thing you guys do. Uh, at the top of the hour.
7: Our show? Yes, we're doing
8: it.
1: Oh, you're doing it? For Today's
8: our 500th, 500th time.
1: Happy 500th time. Yeah. Hey, that is great. One day you'll
8: get there, Matt. One day you'll I get there. Oh, I, soon. I think like I, next year, right? I
1: actually think I may already have it. <laughs> I know.
7: 500 hours will come three times as fast for you.
1: I know. Uh, but I think, because I've been doing my own show five and a half years.
7: That's true. No, you've. <sighs> You but no, but but, I, but
1: again, my mine is at a completely different caliber than yours.
7: Uh, Not really sure how to
8: take that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that in the best way possible. <laughs> 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 Mine's really good, and you guys are just yeah, no. Bad. You guys, That's I'm saying said.
1: you guys are at a higher he left, caliber.
8: He left he different, left different, caliber, different a t- caliber, an entirely different caliber. Yeah, you, caliber you talk about when, when you use cali- when you use the word caliber, you're just assuming that
1: that there is such a. Caliber. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, but what, what's going to be on your 500th show? This ask, is the I'll big show. This.
8: Well, okay. let me tell you this. Okay. Okay, Tyler okay. Hawes in studio to oh, talk about man. sports, either NBA or European professional basketball cool. Cool. in this very near future. Tom Fernelli of CBS Sports. He's the guy that wrote the most disrespected college football programs in America. Yes. We put BYU on that list. Uh-huh. We've got Tom on the show. Cool. And then we ask this. Vegas or Hawaii? For BYU and their bowl game opportunity, Matt, Ugh. Vegas or Hawaii?
1: Personally, are we talking just the bowl? Or are we talking Vegas? Is,
8: Vegas would probably feature a better opponent, yeah, yeah. a P five opponent, but Hawaii is
1: Hawaii. It's a better tan all yeah. around. Okay. I would go. You know what? You know me. Always go with the tan. Going to Hawaii? Yeah. Don't you I'm think like, I need okay. it? No. Who cares? Who,
8: who cares? Who BYU plays? It's about Hawaii.
1: There's just something really. There's something. You know, paradoxical about BYU in Vegas. Okay. Like when They've you guys there, were there doing that. that show last year, it was just awkward. It's awkward to watch you guys miniature golfing every night. What? Eating wow. at the buffet. It was weird. <laughs> huh?
8: <laughs> I'm I'm concerned about our relationship right now.
1: No, I was just worried about you. <laughs> Remember Jaron was like golfing on Sunday and stuff? <laughs> It uh, yeah, it was, that happened in February. I felt sad. <laughs> no, March. Sad. March. Anyway, <laughs> I don't want to ruin it. But... I've talked to my oh, uh, I, I religious gotta, leader. Have you, have you cleared that up? No. Nope. i, I got to let you guys go. You guys got a show. we got stuff to do, This man. is the big 500. Uh, Happy nah, 500. Nah, have 500. Have you ready. guys don't look a day over 400. Thank you. You bet. Best of luck to you. Love you, Matt. Love's out. Peace on, yo. That's me being hip. Um, they're, they're You know what? They're good people. I don't care what... Everyone else says they're good people. No, they really are. Fantastic. Hey, um, here's the deal. We're going to wrap up our show with a hero. You know I like to focus on a hero as we end. My hero happens to be uh, an airline, and it's not – I'm not doing this as a plug, but I'm doing it because I found out a really cool thing. Southwest Airlines is being praised for going above and beyond the call of duty after a woman learned that her son was in a coma after an accident. Peggy Yuli was on a flight from Chicago to Columbus waiting to take off when the plane turned back to the gate and the flight attendant asked her to get off. I figured I was on the wrong plane, she said. The gate agent told me to check in at the desk, and when I did, she told me to call my husband. Yuli told the airline blogboardingarea.com. After checking in the customer with customer service, Yuli learned that her son, who lives in Denver, was in a coma after suffering a head injury, and even before Yuli disembarked, the airline had rebooked her with no additional fees or service charges on a nonstop trip to Denver that was leaving in two hours. They offered her a private waiting area. They rerouted my luggage. They allowed me to board first and, on, and a packed lunch for that me when I got on the plane in Denver. My luggage was delivered to where I was staying, and I even received a call from the Southwest uh, Airlines asking how my son was doing. Yuli said that her son is still continuing to recover, but is thankful for a top-notch service she received from the airline. The care that I was shown is is second to none. Uh, She says she's always liked Southwest Airlines, but now, um, you know, now we can't say enough good things about them. So my hero of the day, Southwest Airlines, who went above and beyond. And today we've talked about reputations. Folks, they're earned. you got to earn them. And so a great shout-out to Southwest and really the people at Southwest that cared enough in their heart, it's usually not companies that act, it's people that act. So all those people that were associated with that, thank you for being the hero of the day. That's the show, my friends. We'll be back tomorrow. More ideas, more tools to help you find the good in the world. Until then, take care of yourself, take care of your loved ones, and make it a great one.